0: You're listening to
1: Resolution Radio.
2: ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is The Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards.
3: Welcome one and all to another live broadcast of the political cesspool. James Edwards and Keith Alexander. Keith, just like that, one month is in the books. That seems like really weird. Very weird. A whole month and uh, that's that. Time flies when you're having fun. And, uh... Great guest, as we have had this month getting off to a blistering start. Got a very, very exceedingly... Busy show tonight, and uh, we'll try to get to it all. You're going to hear from Jose Nino. He'll be back with uh, some of the hottest of hot takes. And then I am really excited about Taylor Young from Antelope Hill Publishing coming back in the third hour. They got a brand-new book out, and, you know, I appreciate all of the authors that they send us. We have sort of a standing arrangement with them. Usually the last, the third hour of the last Saturday of every month, we have a different author from their uh, stable of writers to to feature and uh, different books and so on and so forth. But this book, it was just, they're all good, but I think this book really uh, was uh, especially interesting. So we'll get to those two guests uh, in just a moment. But uh, first, what's what's going on? Let's uh, hit the announcements. And then, as I said, a busy first hour with, I think, some topics that I'm very excited to uh, get out there and have Keith uh, break down for you. But uh, the good news is, I guess, out of the bat, after 11 days, Of No mail delivery. We talked about this last week. It snowed, what, two weeks ago, and then for 11 days, there was no mail delivery or garbage pickup. After 11 days, the mail resumed, and garbage pickup resumed after 10 days, so that's not, you know, too terribly bad. Uh, Four inches of snow, you're shut down for almost half a month, but uh, what do you expect? And then, it wasn't just that, though. It was... I was talking to Keith before the show tonight. In my life, I'm 44 years old. I can never remember having a boiled water advisory like you get in the third world. They've had three in the last uh, two years in Memphis now, including this week. For a whole week, you couldn't use your water at your home. You had to either boil it or go get bottled water. And, of course, everybody's panicking. There's no bottled water anywhere uh, on the shelves. Now, thankfully, I live out in the suburbs, so we still had well the city of Memphis. You know, Boil water, no mail delivery, no garbage pickup, pipes busting everywhere.
4: Well, uh, I hate to say what the problem is, but the problem is pretty obvious. Um,
3: And it's a problem that plagues cities like Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, so on and so forth. In Jackson, I think they just completely gave up, didn't they? I mean, they just –
4: what happened in Jackson? Close, close. Well, what has happened is that uh, the state of Mississippi has decided they're not going to continue to bail out the – black-run government of Jackson, Mississippi, they're always using the money they have at hand to hire cronies, and that leaves no money for improving or replacing infrastructure. And that's why they're always having these breakdowns, and they come to either the state government or the federal government with a hat in their hand asking for uh, bailouts, and if they don't get them, then they charge racism, of course. And that's what they're doing. But in Mississippi, the state government has, had, has said, we're not bailing you out anymore. What they're doing is they have taken the government, the state government section of the heart of Jackson and separated it from the rest of Jackson. The state government is providing all the utilities and everything else for that government zone. And the rest of Jackson basically is on their own. They're going to the federal government. They're charging racism and all of this type of stuff. But what they've done is they've shown that they're incapable of running the government. That's what happens in places like Memphis and Jackson that have a majority black population that votes in a black leadership cadre that is not competent not up to the task of running their city. Was
3: it Flint, Michigan that had all the water crisis a few years ago? I wonder if that was in play there, too, if it was just a coincidence.
4: Uh, no, that was another majority <laughs> black city. See, Detroit, all of these places, you know, it just does not, they cannot handle it. They want, that they have, you know, you can't have a first world community with a third world population, as we've said for time in memoriam.
3: Nation, community, neighborhood, you name it. Uh, all right, so there's that. But uh, for now, Nation.
4: Government,
3: government services have resumed. Uh, and then there were two. Let's move uh, up to New Hampshire. Uh, I guess there are two, if you can count Nikki Haley as a competitor. But, uh, of course, Vivek and uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, since last week, Ron DeSantis has bowed out. <laughs> Haley's still in, but why? You know, she lost New Hampshire this week uh, pretty resoundingly considering that she spent $31 million just in New Hampshire trying to prop up her campaign. Uh, I read an article... Uh, This week, that 70% of her voters were Democrats and independents because in New Hampshire, you can vote in any primary. You just go in, and as long as you're a registered voter, presumably you can vote Republican or Democrat. It's not, you know, uh, a closed uh, primary. Most
4: states, you don't have people registered as Democrats or Republicans, so they can come in and vote for anybody. But
3: it looks like 70% of her, up to 70% of her votes weren't even Republicans. Now she's, uh, you know, staying in until South Carolina. I guess she's going to get crushed in her home state, you know, and that's embarrassing. A lot of times, People will bow out before uh, getting punked in their home state. Uh, Some people are saying she's staying in it to get as many delegates as she can, so she'll be in the second place in the delegate count in case Trump goes to prison or is otherwise disqualified somehow. People are saying, you know, it's a constitutional crisis no matter what because even if he goes to prison, there's going to be questions, can he run, can he do this? And, of course, even if the answer is yes, that doesn't mean that they're going to go by it. They'll try to throw him off the ballot. So I don't know. Maybe she's uh, staying in it to see what what happens. But I'll tell you this. i got to play this clip, and I mean this, folks. When it comes to voting, you do what you want to do. Uh, We have never really had 100 percent consensus on voting. You know, we're all of such like mind. But some people say, you know, the worst is better. Let's speed up uh, the demise. Lesser of two evils. How about let's vote for Trump, uh, which I'm, I'm going to do. Unless he picks Haley. I don't think he'll do that. He has made some very questionable personnel decisions in the staffing of his administration the first go-around. But if well, he pick-
4: I like putting Nikki Haley in charge of the, the uh, United Nations. Well, that Nations. did
3: kind of get her out of being the governor of South Carolina, so I didn't mind that too much because the United Nations is who would want that position. But at least it got her out of South Carolina. But listen to this. Listen to this this week. This is, this is what I'm talking about.
5: We were the only Indian family in our small southern town, I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch, which was call for the Confederate flag to come down because it would take two-thirds of the House and Senate and was an impossible feat. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is saying that I had black friends is a source of pride saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism or hate. And I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been the Civil War's always been known about slavery.
3: All right. So, you know,
5: (laughs) there is nobody in the Republican base that wants to vote for a hag
3: like that. Uh, First of all, I'd like to know what beauty pageant she's talking about. She's probably making it up. What would she would have been in beauty pageants in the 1980s? Vanessa Williams, a mixed-race woman, won Miss America in 1984. I bet she's making that up. But all of this other stuff, I mean, that's Hillary Clinton. That sounded just like Hillary Clinton to me. Nobody in the Republican base is wanting to vote for warmed over liberalism, and I will tell you this about Trump, if he does somehow pick her, I will not vote for him. That is an absolute deal breaker. I have the luxury of being able to do that in Tennessee because he's going to carry Tennessee by 40 points. But uh, if you're in a swing state, make up your own mind. God be with you. Uh, No judgment here. But that's a deal breaker for me. Somebody like that, absolute deal breaker. Or the homosexual Tim Scott.
4: Well, I'm down with you. He's now got a beard. I understand Tim Scott is married.
3: Well, he's engaged to a white woman. I think that's probably a pretty obvious cover.
4: Yeah, it's but... a beard, what they call it. Oh, now. a beard. Okay,
3: I see. I was wondering what you said because I saw him the other day. he got less hair than I do.
4: No, a beard is a situation where a homosexual tries to disguise their homosexuality by marrying. Okay, that was a common practice back in the old days
3: south carolina is such a great state with so many great people how do you get tim scott miss lindsey graham and Nikki haley who's i mean you know she could pass for white i mean she i mean all this stuff she she is
4: whiter than a lot of uh, white white, blonde haired blue eyed white women that have a a suntan okay (laughs) and trying to pretend that she is some type of victim of uh you know racism on one hand and then on the other hand that she is a staunch defender uh you know uh, she is for anti-semitism this that, and the other ask her about palestinians how does she All feel right. about them
3: hold on we got to take a break we'll come back with this and so much more this first hour we're off and running stay tuned hey there tpc family this is james edwards your host of the political cesspool Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net.
6: Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8.44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a the lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom, and the government shall be upon his shoulder.
7: Isaiah 9 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
3: Right, and we're back. So, yeah, that clip, that was from Nikki Haley a week last week, just before the New Hampshire primary. Who's she winning over with that? I guess she was trying to win over more Democrats to vote for in New Hampshire. Maybe she's sitting there with these two two stern faced lesbian women interviewing her in this clip. You can uh, uh, view it at Occidental Dissent in the post about Trump winning New Hampshire. But, yeah, I mean, that right there. What, what? <laughs> who, need, who needs Democrats?
4: Well, I'll tell you what she's trying to do. She's trying to impress the donor class. That's all that she wants to do. That she knows where the money is, and the money is with positions like that that are in, extremely uh, unpopular, not just with white uh, voters but with non-white voters. She's obviously pandering. She's obviously lying. She is, you know, she would lie when the truth would sound better. She's bad news.
3: Well, and you're right about that. Is that. Uh you know, non-whites don't like a pandering fool like this any more than uh, we do. And, you know, some they certainly have more contempt for them. They certainly have a lot of disdain for them. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, she is certainly trying to – cozy up further to the managerial class of the Republican Party. But uh, other than that, nobody else is going to want that. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But she's not going to win a single state. I mean, I guess the, the whole strategy is to just stay in and see what happens with Trump. But uh, uh, well, anyway, there's not much to do, more to say about that.
4: What she wants to do, she thinks that, again, she can ignore the interests of the actual voters and uh, money talks and BS walks. She's going to get the donor class Behind her, totally, and when that happens, you know she thinks that. Well, she's they're got already a behind of, her. But. She's she's planning on being the lesser of two evils and getting in that way.
3: Well, <laughs> like so
4: many other Republicans have, uh, for time in memorial. You
3: know, there was a lot of monkey shines with Ron Paul, and they were disqualifying delegates and doing all kinds of dirty tricks when he. If was, you're
4: not in their pocket, if you're not in the pocket of Jewish power and influence and the wealthy donor class of uh, Gentiles as well, they will pull no punches. They will go after you hammer and tongs. It they was, will destroy you it was if they possibly can.
3: One thing to do that against Ron Paul, who was a distant second place to Mitt Romney. Or the,
4: Pat Buchanan. Or
3: but uh, doing it to the guy who's going to win all 50 states, uh, we'll see. But uh, also at Occidental Descent this week... Uh, Nice article from Brad. It's not just here what they're trying to do to Trump. It is worldwide. The people who claim to be defending democracy are the ones who are banning opposition around the globe. Uh, this is uh, the stu- uh, the scoop from Occidental Descent. In Ukraine, Brad writes, Zelensky has banned his opposition, refused to hold national elections, banned churches, and incarcerated and killed dissidents like Gonzalo Lira. In Brazil. Bolsonaro has been banned from office for eight years. In Belgium, Vlaam's bloc was also banned years ago. In Greece, Golden Dawn and its successors have been banned. In Poland, the new prime minister, Donald Tusk, has been arresting his nationalist opposition. Both Marine Le Pen and Eric Zemmour in France have been put on trial multiple times. Here, of course, in the United States, Donald Trump has been arrested four times and is now facing 90-plus felony charges. And the biggest question of the year is whether the country can handle Trump either being disqualified from office or convicted and sent to prison. We've never tried imprisoning the Republican presidential nominee before, but it is part of a global trend of so-called democracy defenders turning towards authoritarianism. Everything they say we are, they actually are, and in spades. We should be more like them. In Germany now, a story from the BBC, Germany is wrestling with a potentially explosive debate over whether to ban the far-right party alternative for Germany. This is, uh, I don't know how far-right they really are, but they're probably better than... The establishment, and they are trying to ban them because they're doing so well. Germans have been shocked by revelations that senior figures attended a meeting where mass deportations were discussed. Well, of course, I mean, that's all it takes to get people upset over there. Of course you need to have mass deportations in Germany. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Uh, And so now they're trying to defend that party because it's doing so good in the ballot box. So everywhere, again, just in summation, everywhere you look, democracy defenders, the people defending democracy so people can vote for the candidate of their choice, uh, throughout the West they've grown tired of liberalism and democracy. Why not just arrest, disqualify, or ban the opposition? Why not just censor and fire people to shut them up? Why not weaponize the intelligence community against them? And so on and so forth. They say if Trump gets back into power, he might uh, arrest his political enemies or go on a a revenge or have some vengeance. (laughs) They're doing it already.
4: Well, I think they're prescient.
3: I wish he he was as ruthless as they are.
4: Right. Well, what's happening is that Jewish power and influence wants one world government, and they want to be the ones in charge of one world government. That's what Ukraine is about. That's what the current kerfuffle in Israel is about. Uh, And that's happening all over the world, all over the Western world in particular. They want to stop, stifle the voice of the people, and they want to gain control. And Jewish power and influence has no respect whatsoever for the founding principles of America or the founding fathers, and the reason is none of them were Jewish. They want to be in charge, and they don't let little things like freedom of speech and the uh, Bill of Rights and things like that get in their way. And there's we're seeing now things that were unthinkable. If somebody had tried to pull something like this in the 1950s, there's no telling what would have happened. But see, well, now- I mean,
3: they were rigging elections in Cook County, Illinois, certainly not long after that. But
4: oh, yeah, well, the thing is, they start out in the urban areas, but they, they now are totally without any fear. They are going after nations, they're going after major party candidates. They will do anything that it takes to gain and keep power.
3: All right, so,
4: and the, and the ultimate goal is one world government. For example, Ukraine, they don't want Russia becoming a regional power like they were before uh, the fall of the Soviet Union.
3: We're actually going to talk about uh, a unipolar versus a multipolar war, uh, world rather uh, in the second hour with Jose Nino. He's been writing and speaking about that recently, so that's actually something that's going to be coming up, and I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Uh, switching gears to another thing that caught my attention this week, The Supreme Court has cucked on the issue of whether or not Texas can have a fence up with some razor wire to try to stem the absolute invasion at the southern border. It is an invasion. It is a great replacement. They have a fence with some razor wire that they were able to muster. And uh, Jared Taylor did a video on it this week at Amren. The question is whether we do or don't have a southern border. Texas believes that America is a nation. The Democrats don't. How hard will each side fight? Well, it's not good that the so-called conservative Supreme Court ruled five uh, to four in favor of uh, having uh, letting allowing the Biden administration to force that to be taken down. And you had the defectors, Roberts, no surprise, and Amy Coney or Comey Barrett, uh, whatever her name is. You can't trust a woman with three names, folks. I'm telling you, you cannot trust a woman with three names. Keith, she went to your alma mater, Rhodes College, Uh, what do you make of uh, the decision this week? Well,
4: lay the blame at Donald Trump, okay? Gorsuch and Amy Comey Barrett. Well, I think
3: Gorsuch voted right on this one.
4: Well, I know, but that's rare, okay? He's also a squishy conservative. He's a guy that will follow John Roberts uh, four times out of five. And see, this is the problem that we have. We have the opportunity, we've had the opportunity since the 1960s. Most of the Supreme Court justices were nominated by Republican presidents, and guess what? The more things change, the more they stay the same. These so-called conservatives like uh, uh, Lewis Powell and um, uh, others that they've had, you know, uh, for example, John Paul Stevens was supposed to be a conservative, and I think it was Gerald Ford that nominated him for the Supreme Court. He turned out to be the biggest liberal on the court. See, we have a deep state, even back then, that does not want to give power to the people. They want people's uh, instincts to not have an audience, to be voted down. And, you know, Trump listened to advisors, got Amy Comey Barrett in there, Neil Gorsuch, John Roberts, people like that, in there, and those people are worthless 90% of the time. The only real conservatives that we have on the Supreme Court now are Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas. I
3: would say certainly that it it was better for Trump to have selected so many justices as opposed to Hillary, but really the only thing that conservatives can say, where well, you did have a good decision on affirmative action. You did have that. You had abortion, which is really a mixed bag. I mean, that is not my signature issue uh, of course, in in a, in a, it is murder. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But uh, th- there's a lot of considerations with regards so to that particular action, issue.
4: Affirmative action is not going to amount to a hill of beans unless you get the EEOC. The reason you have affirmative action is that the actual, you know, the 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 real power there, a guy named Alfred and Jewish, of course, was the number two man. It the EOC. The EOC was created by the 1964 Civil Rights Act to enforce the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And affirmative action is absolutely 180 degrees the opposite of the language that is in the 64 Civil Rights Act. But the Supreme Court said, well, we've got to give a lot of latitude to the bureaucracy that has been uh, appointed by the uh, Congress to enforce this law. So basically, they totally ignored the law. I hear a lot of talk now about, by people like Charlie Kirk and whatnot, that we need to uh, do away with the 64 Civil Rights Act. No, we don't need to do that. We need to enforce the 1964 Act according to its colorblind language. If we did that, then white people would gain and minorities would lose. But they're not going to do that. Uh, You know, it's going to be, for example, getting Harvard to actually do something about affirmative action and end it. Don't hold your breath.
3: There have been some victories on the Supreme Court under this group of justices that Trump had a heavy hand in putting on the bench. But this is a this is the issue. This is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to immigration. And if you're ruling that a state can't protect its borders, that's the big one to me. We'll be right back.
8: Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
9: USA News, I'm Tim Berg. Former President Donald Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary. Trump defeating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Earlier Haley said the primaries are a marathon, not a sprint, while looking ahead to the next contest. Freezing rain and snow are causing headaches for millions of Americans in the Midwest today. The National Weather Service says icy roads and possible power outages are possible from Kansas up to Maine. Illegal immigrants continue to enter the country across the southern border, but a bipartisan border deal could soon be coming. Maine Republican Senator Susan Collins says the price tag will likely pass $14 billion. But some GOP lawmakers want to see the text of the bill before they consider it. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby is calling on House Republicans to act.
10: The idea that we don't have a plan or a strategy or we're not taking this seriously is just not borne out by the facts. And, you know, again, if the if, if the folks in the, on the House Republican side are, are serious about border security and they claim they are, then they should act on the supplemental request and, you know, let's negotiate this in good faith
9: and regarding that supplemental bill senate minority leader from kentucky mitch mcconnell reminds everyone on the house floor i don't want to lose track of what the rest of the supplemental is about i mean the world is basically at war united airlines ceo scott kirby is disappointed in boeing's recent issues that have led to united planes being grounded kirby saying on cnbc that boeing needs real action to fix its reputation The FAA launched an investigation into Boeing and ordered the grounding of close to 200 Boeing 757 Max 9 aircraft after a door plug panel flew off an Alaska Airlines flight earlier this month. This is USA News.
5: President Biden recently released a massive six trillion dollar budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes, that's a fact. And if you owe back taxes, they will be coming after you to collect payments. In fact, President Biden also hired thousands more IRS agents to go after you. If you got a letter from the IRS and you know you owe back taxes or you haven't filed in years, don't put your head in the sand. Call us today. We've saved our customers millions of tax dollars. One quick, free phone call will show you how we can reduce your past tax bill and save you thousands. Guaranteed, or you pay nothing. Call
11: now. 800 511 6046. 800 511 6046. 800 511 6046. That's 800 511 6046.
3: Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, AmericaFirst.com That's M-E-R-I-C-A ones tcom dot AmericaFirst.com Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand-new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com.
11: Mm-hmm. Nicky, Nicky,
12: Nicky,
0: doing time in the
12: pokin'. Your sister's
0: on a trip,
9: your mama died. here. Little girl, you look okay,
11: you're on the pool.
3: Well, that's one from the deep vault there that Keith uh, came up with. He said, how about Nikki Hokey in honor of uh, Nikki Haley's yeah, loss there? I, I Ch- was not familiar with that one. I didn't know there was any song from the 60s I didn't know. As
4: an early Cajun uh, song, you know, like the things with Creedence Clearwater Revival. But this was an actual Cajun guy. And by the way. I, the only change I would make from Nikki Hokey would be Nikki Phoney. <laughs> well, what about Amy Coney Bear? Or maybe that, that's just who she is.
3: But uh, anyway, so, She's yeah. She's
4: scared of being out of step with the donor class, okay? These people have gotten where they are by parroting the outlook of the donor class. So, you know, you're not going to get much from those people. You're going to have to have uh, a president that has... Better advisors that can tell him who the real conservatives are and who the uh, posers and the phonies are.
3: All right. Well, again, as I said, uh, I would trade the Roe decision, I think, for a border wall right now. I think that's the thing you have to arrest first.
4: Doesn't matter. I mean, if we're not the ones having the babies, what's it matter? And well, so. The most important thing, though, is that we've got to get past affirmative action because that is. What is, in practical terms, thrusting the white race to the bottom of the totem pole in education, in jobs, and in everything else that uh, translates into power in American society today?
3: All right. So I got to do something here, folks, and I have to do it. I don't like doing this, but I have to. You know our motto here. Well, we got a couple of them. No retreat, no surrender, no apologies. That's the official one. But the second one is... Don't punch right. No enemies to the right. Fly above the turbulence. We never get into movement beasts. We never air opinions that make any a fellow
4: traveler look bad. We, and we don't even, get involved in the innumerable pissing contests that always arise on the right. If we may have our opinions behind the scenes, and we may work
3: behind the scenes to express those opinions for the betterment of our cause, but we don't air stuff like that. It's not a gossip show. So I don't like to do this, but... I gotta, I gotta take Alex Jones back uh, under
4: the microscope.
3: Yeah, there was uh, something that came up this week that just didn't sit well with me at all. Series of tweets uh, that he put out this week. Uh, he is responding to a headline here that reads, "Proud Boys leader." No, excuse me. This is Patriot Front. Excuse me. Not Proud Boys. Patriot Front leader uh, Rousseau is not a patriot. He is an un. Known person of interest. He has a history that was recently created. I found someone who claims to have known him, and I will be speaking with them next week. And then Alex Jones writes interesting questions. Uh, Then it goes on. He goes on to uh, liken this to Charlottesville. Basically what happened, folks, were that the Patriot Front did a demonstration uh, up in New York a few days ago, I believe it was. And then Alex Jones, of course, everybody's a fed to Alex Jones. See, nothing can ever be... Just what it is. Everything has to be some elaborate conspiracy. Everything is a CIA op, uh, so on and so forth. And somebody writes on Twitter, somebody that doesn't know anything, that doesn't know these people. I've met Thomas Rousseau. All right. I don't think he's a plant. I don't think he's a, a phony. I don't know him personally. I have met him. And in, and I enjoyed the meeting. But uh, somebody writes, if Patriot Front was actually a real organic right supremacy group, the media would be all over them. Well, they have been. They have been. Alex Jones reply, re, replies, 100% correct. This is in preparation for Charlottesville 2.0 on a massive scale. Many of these Fed front organizations are just uh, patsies in the making, the membership are. The leadership are NGO operatives from groups like the SPLC and the ADL who take direction from the CIA. So here, here's Alex Jones saying that the people in the Patriot front, namely Thomas Rousseau, is a CIA asset that is taking his direction from the SPLC and the ADL, he says this without a shred of proof. And he's also saying that the people who marched in Charlottesville, marched in Charlottesville, are people, the people that we know well, so many of them that we know well, from Michael Hill to you name it, we talked to them the day of the event. We talked to them before, during, and after the event. Best show we ever did, I say minute for minute, pound for pound, is that show we did hours after the events that took place on August the twelfth, two thousand seventeen. And Alex Jones is saying that that the people in Charlottesville were feds. You know, everybody's a fed. Uh, it it creates a backdrop. The feds can project to marauding bands of masked men creating fear ahead of stage terror. They're feds, whether they're aware of it or not. They're doing the work of the feds. Alex Jones continues. And he just goes on and on and on. So I have a big problem with that. I have a big problem with there's only two things that that can possibly explain this. Either Alex Jones is offensively and woefully ignorant of the facts, or he is lying, and he knows he's lying, and I don't know which is worse. But to say that the people in Charlottesville were all feds that were on our side, to say I don't know the Patriot Front folks as well – but to say that they're all feds, you don't know that. If you want to know that, why don't you interview one of them? Why, you know, he said he's going to interview a guy who claims to have talked to a guy in Patriot Front. I mean, what the hell is that? Look, I, I'm telling you, this this is bad news, and you got to do better than that.
4: Look, Alex Jones can't interview real participants like Brad Griffin or Michael Hill because if he did, they would twist him or, you know, uh, like a pretzel. This is all on his Twitter this week. So you're going check it. The problem with Alex Jones is this. He wants to have a foot in both camps. He wants to be able to say, but see, I'm on the right side on the civil rights movement. And all these people that were protesting in Charlottesville are nasty old racists. And I'm not like that. And just like he said with Brother Kappner, I love Jewish people let me ignore all the evidence about their complicity in every left-wing radical movement that we've had in America basically over the past 100 years. I'm all with the Jews. So, you know, he, and he tries to you know, uh, come up with the, these crazy notions like uh, 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 Adolf Hitler was this you know, t- person without any redeeming qualities. He's just, he's just a phony. He is a, he's either a plant or he is so cucked that he doesn't know what he is. And
3: then, I don't know, who knows? I mean, it's all just speculation what's going on in his mind. Yes, I like it when he has somebody like Brother Nathaniel on, even if he, you know, shouts over them
4: and argues with them nonstop. I don't know why you'd have and somebody. cuts them out after he says he's going to have them on for two uh, sessions. After the first session, he immediately turns around and uh, wipes out their interview and never follows up with the other interview. He is scared of real competition. I mean, I
3: I still like when he has – at least he's letting, to an extent, people like Brother Nathaniel on a a once-in-a-blue-moon occasion. I mean, that was Brother Nathaniel's one and only appearance. But people like that. He'll have on – very rarely. And, exactly. and he's able, they, are, they are able to get their message out a little. And, and from time to time, yes, Alex Jones says things that I do agree with. But all of this stuff, I, I never have liked the snake oil stuff that he does. I've never liked that everything's an elaborate conspiracy. And people say all the time, well, white people need to get up and do something. You know, the reason we've lost our country, nobody wants to get up and do anything. And then if somebody gets up and does something, like Patriot Front, the, these, are or fit. Brother these,
4: or whatever. these are
3: fit uh, young men, are they're not obese. They're not. Uh,
4: Unlike Alex
3: Jones. <laughs> they're not imbeciles. And people say, well, they're obviously feds. Look, they're not obese and imbecilic. You know, so this is. The, so it's like, OK, you can't. You arguing, you're complaining that white men don't do something. But then the second white men get up and try to
4: do something and get organized, you lambast them and attack them for being feds. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Look, he's a big, fat blowhard. He is a loose cannon. He is unreliable. He has a, a, a problem holding his temper. He just people like to hear him because it's like kind of like Donald Duck going crazy on a cartoon.
3: Well, I mean, he's certainly been successful. He's made more money a thousand times over, maybe exponentially more than we'll ever make. So good you know, good for him
4: for that. but well, I mean, this, no, no but bad he, for him for that because he's taking away money from people that really know what they're saying. Have the whole, uh, you know, have the facts before them, and are telling the truth to the people. He's a misleader. Well, we do not need phony leaders trying to mislead people down the primrose path to hell. As
3: I said, folks, you listen to this show for as long as you want—one year, ten years, twenty years. We don't attack people on the right, but when when you got somebody like this who has a big microphone, and I didn't like the big mouth. I didn't. I didn't like the fact that he canceled Brother Nathaniel at the last minute. That's what got Brother Nathaniel back on our show. A couple of weeks ago and so i was thankful for that uh I, that's what prompted me to call brother nathaniel up on the phone and you know we got reconnected and it's always good to talk to him but i didn't like that so we, we talked about that i don't attack people on the right but when you're saying that people i know are feds or work or cia agents working the SPLC, that's just it's well, it's ridiculous the reason he's
4: doing that is because he wants to be on the right side of the civil rights movement see he hasn't gotten past that they're getting nothing brother uh alex jones by pandering to the left. They hate your guts. Well, they, even yeah, more. they've already got
3: him for what, like weak. $500 million judgment? I mean, they, I don't he's see He's still what good kissing ass. And, well, Jason Kessler had a great retort to this. He's saying the people in Charlottesville, this is Charlottesville 2.0, which is to imply that Charlottesville 1.0 was a Fed run operation, obviously. Jason Kessler says, instead of just saying all this stuff about Charlottesville, why don't you talk to somebody who was there? Why don't you talk to the guy who organized it, Kessler? Kessler would go on Alex Jones' show and tell him the truth.
4: They tie him up in a bow.
1: We'll be right back. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti white, anti Christ, anti Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to dixierepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs Gun and Leather Shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com.
12: Introducing Managed IT Services from NPI. We offer top-notch data backup and recovery, email spam protection, and network security tailored to your needs and budget. With 20-plus years of experience in the medical field, our HIPAA-certified consultants know what it takes to protect sensitive information. Don't settle for less. Give us a call at 801-706-6980 and experience the difference with Managed IT Services. Remember, your IT support should be fast, efficient, and reliable
13: introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com.
7: I'm your puppet
13: I'm yours To have and to
10: hold Darling you got full control Of your puppet
3: That is a I, I, I gotta listen to one more chorus Goes on and on like that. I've always loved that song. That's James and Bobby. Purify, of course. Who did Shake a Tail Feather? That is a beautiful song. But if you apply it to politics, it is hilarious. If you, I thought it a was a duet by Alex Jones and Nikki Haley. <laughs> well, I, look, I don't think Alex Jones is a puppet. I think he's an entertainer. But I, I definitely think, yeah, Nikki Haley, MAGA, Mike Johnson, all subservient. Apply this to your favorite
4: Republican congressman and APAC, and then you'll kind of get where we're going. Well, I, I think Alex is the same way. <laughs> Alex is knows where the uh, borderline is, and he's never going to even put so much as a toenail across it. He's going to continue to say, "I'm really a uh, 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 far right conservative," but the civil rights was pure, righteous, and holy. And uh, you know, everybody that is, uh, you know, uh, will speak out about Jewish power and influence is a crazy person. You know, he's uh, he's just uh, he's just a phony. Well, I mean. You just can't have people like that taking up money and uh, taking up, uh, you know, taking all the oxygen out of the room in conservative politics. All right, so I'm sending an email
3: live uh, to Jose, our guest, in the next hour, so just uh, we're we're multitasking here. Well, and then Alex Jones, all the stuff, when he says that China runs the media, the American media, China runs Hollywood, I mean... Look, we'd probably be, I mean, obviously that's just, again, more ridiculous stuff would probably be better off if they did. I mean, at least China, in China, they don't let the, the disney movie with the black little mermaid they don't let that kind of filth come over and uh, they're not supporting <laughs> transgenderism and homosexual How could rights. you believe China runs Hollywood? I mean, what are you talking about? We've covered that before. I mean, at least China, yeah, they're communist, but uh, would we be better off with a little order? At least they manufacture things. I mean, it's cheap and they, you know, they dump it on us, but at least they're trying to do what's best for their national interest. I mean, like, we'd be And they're not off.
4: trying they're not trying to subvert our children and bring them into uh, Sexual perversity, what does, the way that uh, Jewish power and influence is. What does America
3: produce now except for degeneracy and filth? That's our only export now. You know, it's funny. You can go to a place like, you know, Chad in Africa, the the Republic of Chad, where they still live in Daub huts, and they're laughing at the United States. You know, some of these African nations that have law in the books against homosexuality, America's trying to export all of that to to them, and they're laughing. Uh, they're, they're laughing. They have, they have more decency they, than. They than think the American America has
4: gone insane. Uh, it's like uh, you know they had some type of movie where a Coke bottle was found by some Maasai warrior in South Africa, and he said the gods must be crazy. Was the name of this movie? Well, that's what the rest of the world, the non-Western world, thinks about America and West Germany and England and France and places like that. They think that we've all lost our minds. And you know what? They've got a point. All right. At least our national leadership has. I'm going to
3: go off on a tangent here. Uh, I I said, uh, talking about some of the straw huts in Africa, uh, I guess America is a little bit like the big bad wolf. They're trying to huff and puff and blow their house in and make them uh, embrace all of this stuff, which leads me to something. My daughter and I, my youngest daughter, Caroline, She's three, and she has this book that she loves to read. It's called Arthur Goes to School. And Arthur's, you know, I, I don't know if he's a rabbit or a mouse or something. He's something. He's you know, he, he, But uh, he goes to school in this particular story. And it's one of these lift the flaps, and, you know, you find there's something to discover underneath the flap. So it's kind of like an interactive book. But there's only five pages. She reads it. I read it to her, I should say, either my wife or I. Every night for like the last three months. She'll wants to she bring it. Author goes to school. And in the first page of the book, you help Arthur get dressed. And then in the second page, you uh, it's show and tell at his class. And then in another page, you learn about opposites. And then at the end of it, uh, it's story time at his class. You get to go to school with Arthur in the book. And this book that Arthur wants to read to the class is The Three Little Pigs. And... Caroline just loves it. She loves it, and she loves it, so she wanted to start watching videos on The Three Little Pigs. So I go to YouTube, and I found what I think is, and I'd seen it before when I was a kid and totally forgot about it, probably the greatest animated feature ever, and it was 1933, and it's only eight minutes. It's not a full-length feature film like they do now with cartoons, but it's an eight-minute Walt Disney feature on The Three Little Pigs and the Big Bad Wolf. It shows you
4: how founded and based America was back then as opposed to now.
3: And this was an actual Disney production, not just in name only. He did this uh, cartoon, and it's the classic story of The the Three Little Pigs. So the Big Bad Wolf comes up to the first pig, and he's got his house made out of straw, and he appears as the wolf. He knocks on the door, little pig, little pig, let me in, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. So he huffs and puffs and blows the house in. So then, the first brother runs to his other brother's house, which is made out of uh, yes. wood sticks. And in this scene, the wolf appears as a sheep. He's trying to trick him. He's pretending to be a sheep, and he just needs a place to sleep. And the, the two pigs see through that, so he takes off the sheep's costume, and then he
4: blows that house. Blows out.
3: the house in. So then they run to the brother's house made out of
4: brick, yeah. and the and practical,
3: uh, practical pig, well, the practical pig, yeah. and. The wolf appears in this scene. So remember, he appears as himself at the first house of straw, and the second house of stick. He's a
4: wolf in sheep's clothing.
3: He's a a, yes, correct. And I swear to you, go to YouTube; it's incredible. Nineteen thirty-three. You'll have to type in "The Three Little Pigs" silly symphony. It's that's what Disney called this cartoon series, silly symphonies. In the third house, he the wolf disguises himself as a Jew,
4: as a Jewish merchant, as a
3: Jewish merchant. To try try to trick the pigs to let him in so he can kill them.
4: Trying to make money to put himself through college.
3: (laughs) Well, that's his, yeah. yeah. Well, Keith and I just watched that here, and it's just just amazing. Now, of course, that's just done to be
4: comical. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's a lesson there. I don't know what the the message Disney was trying to get. uh, Well, Disney did have uh, trouble with the Sons of Israel that we've gone over uh, with our audience numerous times. But. You know, basically, they tried to put him out of business. his was the only major movie studio in Hollywood that was not run by jewish uh, uh interests in
3: this uh in this cartoon nineteen thirty nine which came out in nineteen thirty three uh, the in the third the third uh, act, the wolf appears as a Jewish merchant, and then they see through that and they knock him on the head and then he takes off the mask
4: and starts howling and scowling and, and
3: all, all right but they remastered the movie after World War Two, And every scene is exactly the same, except for one. <laughs> Can you guess which one it is? And <laughs> the third, it's the the only thing that changed, same exact script, same exact everything. The only thing they changed was that third scene. The wolf just appears as the wolf. Shows you who's Costa. in control.
4: You know, what do they say? Uh, it's attributed to Voltaire. I'm not sure Voltaire said it, but he said, if you want to know who rules over you, ask who you're not allowed to criticize. Uh, we, we have talked about uh, Disney before
3: and people saying that Dumbo was an extremist. <laughs> Dumbo was an extremist well, Dumbo movie. Dumbo was
4: the movie that was the last ha- card in Disney's deck. They, Jewish, Jewish Hollywood wanted to buy Disney Studios. Uh, they, he wouldn't sell, so they noticed he had a weakness. He had cartoon features, so they unionized his cartoonists and had them go out on strike. And he was down to the last film in his uh, you know library that hadn't been released, Dumbo. If Dumbo had flopped, he'd have gone bankrupt, and they would have picked it up for uh, Peanuts. But instead, it was a great hit. And after that, Disney would not let a Jew on the lot.
3: Well, they say, his critics say, that the ringmaster in that film was... Meant to be symbolized organized jewelry, and Dumbo was representative of the innocence of the American heartland where Disney came from. Of course, you have a character named Jim Crow in the movie that relentlessly mocks Dumbo, and he's a black crow in that. So you know, I guess you can get that. But uh, they, uh, <laughs> it was said that Disney was quoted as having said that uh, he heard that Roosevelt, uh, FDR called the 1900s The Century of the Common Man, to which, it is alleged, Disney replied, balls, it's the century of the Jew, the Union cutthroat, the fag, and the whore, and FDR made it so. Uh, but you know what's interesting is that they had to redo that uh, that cartoon of the three little pigs, Dumbo is bad, the... Song of the South is bad. That was a Disney movie, Brer Rabbit. But you can have, of course, movies like Django Unchained, which is just basically an anti-white I hate, snuff, I snuff film. a snuff film. You have Inglorious Bastards, where you have Eli Roth, whose character is named the Bear Jew. Yeah, he they, actually big
4: bad Jews are up here killing the Nazis. Well,
3: they, they're they're what they're doing is he, he goes up with a baseball bat uh, with barbed wire around it to. German soldiers who have surrendered and bashes their skulls in.
4: And that's supposed to be very uh, enchanting well, they, and uh, inspiring to the audience. Django Unchained, Glorious
3: Bastards. Those movies are fine. Dumbo, no good. It's an extremist film. Obviously, you can't have Song the Three Little the South, Pigs, bad, Song of the South. Uh, you can't show. Gone with the wind anymore. But interesting, the guy who played the Bear Jew, Eli Roth, when we had Hutton Gibson on and it was making so much news, you know, he came out and denounced us. So uh, you don't know us by our enemies, that's for sure. The Bear Jew of Inglorious Bastards just I'd be him.
4: disappointed if Eli Roth did not put us down.
3: Well, but there you go. To have been put down. They do know who we are.
4: And we uh, know who they are.
3: <laughs> we'll be right back with Jose Nino. Go watch Dumbo. Go watch the Three Little Pigs Silly Symphonies. Uh, it's fun, you know, you know it's just. Fantastic. There'll never be another Walt Disney. A true American hero. Stay tuned, everybody.
2: You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself, any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to Resolution
1: Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.
10: Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc.
14: In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com.
1: You're listening to the Political Cess Pull on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607 203
2: You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is The Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards.
3: And back we are to wrap up the first month of the year. Jose Nino making his first appearance of the year. Great to have him back this Saturday evening. January the 27th. Jose, how are you? Happy, well, I would say Happy New Year. I guess we're a little bit past that, but it's, we haven't talked to you since the calendar flip, so Happy New Year.
0: Well, Happy New Year to you too, James, and um, yeah, I've been g- doing really well, just cranking up the content and getting ready for a year that's going to be filled with all sorts of instability and insanity.
4: <laughs> you, I really liked your uh, interview with Eric Stryker the other day. By the way, I want to pass that on to you.
3: That's right. Well, you're right. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that was a great that, interview. Yeah. You
4: oh really yeah, have I the um, heat over there.
0: Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that interview, and um, I my um my opinion of uh, Eric Stryker is ve- was very high after that, and I've gotten to the point where. I believe he's, like, one of the best, like, independent journalists out there when it comes to um, exposing um, organized Jewry, Zionist influences and looping that all in through, like, a um, historical perspective. There's, like, very few people um, I've noticed in this overall space that are able to do that, and he has a unique talent on that front, and he will definitely – be coming back on my show because i I literally probably could have gone on for like four or five hours talking about a lot of a host of other issues in that on that front so so you listen to that one keith
4: yeah i have in fact um, you know we're another group that will call it out well uh, and but they're alex jones obviously will not we were just talking about (laughs) that in the first hour uh
3: i uh i have not i am looking at it right now and we'll give of course uh everybody well folks you can uh, certainly, Google Jose Nino Unfiltered and find his Substack. And then right there at the top of it is the interview, aforementioned interview with Eric Stryker. I have not yet heard that one. Uh, that just came out earlier in the week, about a week ago. Uh, but I did listen uh, to every minute of your recently. Uh, conducted interview with Kevin McDonald so <laughs> the one hit maker after another and that yes. was fantastic the one group you dare not criticize i mean we've interviewed Kevin McDonald i don't know how many times but uh, but it, it was just a fantastic job so yeah definitely i mean the content was always so good and that was high praise for you to praise uh, the journalistic uh, ability of Eric Stryker, because what you said about him is certainly what we say about you, uh, what you're doing with American Free Press and everywhere you uh, post content. But, yeah, a couple of great interviews to kick off the year over there at Jose Nino Unfiltered, no doubt about it.
4: And if you don't talk about Jewish power and influence, then you're not talking about what really ails us.
0: Well, certainly a couple of uh, – Yeah, it's cou- I've come to that conclusion, Um, yes, in my um journey in this dissident space over the years – um. I've always been kind of aware about the issue, but um, I'd say it's become much more salient um, uh, with Trump's election, um, the whole question of um, Jewish influence. And I do believe now that organizations that don't really touch the issue are not only like doing like the service to their members. Some of these people are acting like malign actors in the sense that they are trying to like indirectly stifle debate and get down to like the root cause of a lot of our political ailments
4: amen
3: all right so i want to circle back very quickly before we talk to you about some more in-depth topics Uh, let's just uh, have you do a layup first uh, and that is to discuss how things are progressing uh, with regards to the Republican primary. I mean, that's just, uh, that's an easy topic, but it's a topic that, of course, dominates yeah, it's a layup. Uh, probably disproportionately
4: course, so dominates everybody's mind. Jewish power and influence is the 800-pound gorilla in the uh, living room that nobody wants to mention. Well, in any event, uh, that notwithstanding, how do you,
3: uh, where do you see things right now? I mean, obviously, Trump's got it in the bag, but they're going to be, as you said, Jose, this is going to be a wildly unpredictable year. So uh, take that in any direction you wish.
0: Well, um, yeah, I've been saying this for a while that this race was uh, was generally very easy to predict because the GOP, for better or for worse, is Donald Trump's party. I do believe that there is a nationalist ethos that has totally captured the party and the neoconservatism of yesteryear that the likes of Nikki Haley spouse is just really on the way out. Um, for the most part, in terms of the ostensive marketing and appeals, um, I think he will cruise the nomination quite easily. And it looks like he will also probably win um, his election in 2024 with relative ease, too, given how Biden is huh. floundering on the polls and is also just getting clobbered by the economy. Um Defections among his base over the Palestine issue, the rising crime and the immigration crisis. I just think that this looks like um, an environment that's easy for Trump to get back into power. Now, um, the real question is, although Trump um, campaigned on a relatively America first platform, it is going to be interesting to observe what Trump will do with respect to the personnel hires that – He will make throughout his, uh, throughout a potential um, second administration because personnel is policy. And I do believe that if he puts in the wrong people, um, his otherwise like America First platform is going to look like this really like weird like smorgasbord of like nationalism mixed with neoconservatism, which is not the way to go.
4: They'll do like they did in the first term and keep him away from all the levers of power. He doesn't know. I don't know that he knows yet how to use the government to effectuate his policies. But, you know, the other thing, the unspoken uh, part of this is that after he wins the Republican nomination, let's say that he gets convicted of at least one of these felonies, there has been hints around that there are some laws, I don't know if they're state laws, I don't know if it's a federal law that says that a convicted felon can't run for public office or cannot run for president. And if they are able to knock enough states out, him off of the ballot, in enough states under that rationale, uh, that may make him unelectable. Uh, I don't know what the laws are. All I know is I keep hearing about it, and I wish that somebody would come out and quote chapter and verse Well, and
3: it. see, this was a question I had for you, and I certainly want to hear uh, Jose's answer to that, but this was a question I had for you. People keep saying, well, if he gets convicted he can just appeal it and he can continue to run uh, while the appeals are in process. But these are criminal trials. These aren't civil trials where you get a judgment against you and then you can appeal it. Uh, if, you go if to you jail. Get, yeah. You get, you go to prison if you get convicted in a criminal trial. Am I missing something here? I've asked this before. Well, it's still I
4: don't, not a final determination, even if you're in jail. But the thing is he, you know, and that's why I would like to read chapter and verse of these laws that people keep, uh, uh Alluding to, in finding out what the situation is, because if they can knock him out of the ballot in enough states, it doesn't matter how.
3: Well, you're the counselor. That's why I thought you have the. We need the guy that comes on uh, on TMZ. I'm a lawyer. We need need a lawyer. (laughs) Harvey. (laughs) I'm a (laughs) lawyer.
9: All right. So uh,
3: I would say, take it away.
0: Oh, uh, this is like way above my pay grade when it comes to like legal stuff. I'm pretty clueless on that, end. and and um. Well,
3: yeah, I guess, I, mean, I, guess I guess it doesn't really matter because ultimately the law is what they want it to be. Now it's all partisan. It's all whose side are you on? Uh, well, they
4: if they don't have the laws now, they can pass them in the meantime. You know, before he actually yeah. uh, the the November. Well, March. I don't know if that Republican House
3: is going to do that, but um,
4: not not Congress. If the states, like I said, we oh, have I enough see. states to do. Maybe.
3: All right, anyway, uh, continue, Jose, any way you'd like, and uh, I've got a lot to circle back with you on. I want you to have a final word this segment, though, before we get a break.
0: Well, um, it's going to be one thing um, I am uh, very interested in um, delving into is the growing uh, competency crisis at all levels of like society, whether it's like government and like down to like the private sector that's emerging now, um, thanks to like um affirmative action, demographic shift, and just the overall like dumping down of the population that um I think is starting to become a big issue. This is something that Eric Stryker has also talked about, and I've really um, um become more interested in that um issue. Because um, we are reaching a moment where like the U.S. is going into like idiocracy mode and like the very civilization that the – that northern European um, colonists um, built here in North America um, very much um, is hanging in the balance um, in the 21st century. And um, I think that people have not really given this um, topic much thought and I think it's a critical issue of our time if we want to like actually like preserve – Well, Um, it
4: actually is happening now. You know, as Grandma used to say, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear.
3: All right. Jose has really gotten me fired up. Just this opening segment, I've been writing feverishly with some things to come back and pick his brain on, some thoughts, some commentary from one of the very best to be able to do it. Prescient analysis, as always, from Jose Nino, and uh, we'll talk to him for the remainder of the hour, so stay tuned.
11: The Honorable Cause, A Free South, is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern National authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie? The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspoo, and Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, identity ditches Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com.
3: All right, back with Jose Nino. He writes on his website that he offers political insight from a contrarian perspective, but it's a lot more than that, folks. Uh, Be sure to check out Jose Nino Unfiltered. That's his substacks. Quick Google search. You'll be there. Lots of great content, uh, both spoken, video, uh, written. It's all there. Sizzling hot takes over there. They're getting hotter every day with interviews with uh, Eric Stryker and Kevin McDonald here in the last few days. Uh, Jose Nino is, of course, a patriotic Hispanic American who defends the historic American nation from the constant barrage of blood libel. Coming from the anti-white left, Uh, Jose, you were talking about the crisis of competency that we have now in this country. That is
4: certainly—it's obvious in the military with Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley and people. Yes, exactly.
3: It's—it's hit all of the institutions, academia, the The military, the institution, uh, all every facet of our society you have this crisis of competency jose you called it uh, we're racing towards an idiocracy that's up to and including airlines you know i don't want somebody behind yeah. the cockpit that don't uh,
4: want disabled people flying airplanes that out.
3: checked some diversity box uh, or quota i want somebody who knows how to fly i healthcare too if i'm in trouble i want a surgeon not a I, witch yeah. i want a surgeon i don't want a witch doctor <laughs> yeah yeah But so, I mean, and this goes back to government. Uh, Let's just say, for argument's sake right now, Trump is reelected because there's a very strong case that, that, that could happen right now. Uh, how does he st- uh, stack his administration? Last time uh, he, st- he stacked it with all the Bush neocon retreads. Has he learned? Is it going to be it, different this it, time? He was
4: confused why nothing ever uh, got accomplished. I guess
3: only time will tell. But you're talking about the cabinet positions, the VP. Everybody likes to speculate about VP. All I mean, the
4: bureaucracy, all of the agencies. You know, the people that staff that they're. Really that's the, the
3: people that make the government go. That,
4: that, they're they're the reason. Of, thing that things happen.
3: How would you? How would you guess? Hazard a guess, Jose. If if you must, on what is that looks be like. Be another
4: situation where, when all is said and done, more will be said than done.
0: Um. <clears throat> yeah, I um think that there is a possibility that Trump will put in more people that are reasonable this go round because of the simple fact that he's gotten more experience under his belt, and there's a lot more pressure, too, from the grassroots for Trump to, like, actually um, abide by his America First agenda. But um, I still think that the GOP is very much um, under um, – A lot of uh, Jewish influence, specifically right-wing Zionists, they have really doubled down, in fact. Um, in some respects, um, um, Zionist lobbies now are very much kind of like exiting the Democratic Party, and they're just putting all their chips behind uh, the GOP now. And that's bad because um, it effectively um, ensures that there's going to be a very strong pro-Zionist contingent um Within the GOP, both like congressional level, staff level, like bureaucratic levels, which means that they're gonna like always subvert, even like the so-called like America First like nationalists that um that are against like so-called never-ending wars. A lot of these people have been like very pro-Israel in the current Hamas conflict, and um I don't think um like Trump, in my opinion, is enough to like. Roll back of this stuff. This is part of, in my opinion, a more like uh, bro- a broader, protracted struggle to like um, to reorient the GOP in a more like restrained foreign policy direction. Um, it's very likely going to take multiple decades for this uh, type of vision to come into fruition in the Republican Party.
4: Well, do we have a couple of decades though? That's a big question. I <laughs> know, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Look Look at what we've got. You know, nobody can not be elected. At, not at this trajectory we don't. No way. Nobody can get elected sure. to any type of federal elected office without having APAC on their side. I think they said out of 412 people in the Congress, 342 their largest contributor was APAC, And
3: we covered it in the first hour what's going on all over the world with the democracy defenders trying to imprison or disqualify their op-
4: opponents of the king. So they can't uh, yeah. be voted for. There's no one, not even Vivek, that will come out against Jewish power and influence well, look, that runs for president. Here's the th- the thing is
3: I, what I like about Trump, and I've said this so many times, Jose, is that he does infuse a little bit of chaos into the system. He makes the left overreact. When people overreact, they make mistakes, and we can capitalize on those mistakes. They have showed their hand. There, there have been a lot of good things that have happened in the last eight years because of Trump, even if inadvertently. But, yes, I do believe you're right, that there stands to uh, to, to to be a chance that he would staff his administration better in a hypothetical second term, if for no other reason than just revenge—a dish best
4: cold uh, served cold. But I think you know you could you could see that happening now. The only way that's going to happen, really, let me just give it a sending down uh, opinion on this is if he enlists people from the dissident right, like Jose, and like us and others. That uh, you know, because nobody. What cabinet position
8: would
3: you
4: want? I would like to be the head of the EOC,
3: <laughs>
4: and I, I would go after him hammer and tongs.
3: You've got to get that resume in. Who knows? You never <laughs> ask, you never know. Well, anyway, Jose, I saw something. Uh, Trump was campaigning in advance of his victory in New Hampshire a few days ago, and he had one hell of a statement that he gave at his stump speech, and I'll read it uh, here, the direct quote. As soon as I lift my hand from the Bible as your 47th president, I will seal the border, shut down the invasion of millions and millions of people coming in, and I will instruct the heads of ICE to begin the largest deportation program in American history. Now... Uh, obviously we love the sound of that. I know some people in my audience, I could actually hear them rolling their eyes as I read that, fool me once, so on and so forth. And I get that. So I'm not talking about the people that are never Trumpers. I'm not talking about Nikki Haley people. I'm talking about people on the right who are saying, well, you know, he's not going to do it. He doesn't mean it. He campaigned like this before and didn't do. But I I would say this. It doesn't matter. I mean, here's your choice. You have a guy speaking things like that which we certainly like, even if there's a slim chance that he does something that's better than what you're going to get from the Democrats, which you know is going to be complete and total wide-open borders. So your, your take on all of that, Jose?
0: Um, I think there is like some degree of skepticism to be had with respect to like Trump, given um, the mixed bag his first administration was. But there really aren't any alternatives at the federal level um and i'm not even just talking about like democrat rivals like do you, do people honestly think that any other republican candidate would do a better job than trump i doubt it um and i think like he's like the most like reasonable alternative right now for people to like at least like pull the lever for at the federal level if anything um people should be more concerned about um trying to like take over their gop's um trying to get um Oh, they're like pro-Trump or like at least like America First people elected in Congress or the state level because um these political movements go beyond one person as well and we have to make it multi-generational as possible because um a lot of political movements often die off whenever like the lead figure um like literally dies or just um exits power or is just like rendered completely politically irrelevant.
4: Well, what is apparent to me is that. We really don't need a better person than Trump to be the figurehead at the top. Where the rubber meets the road is who is going to be staffing the bureaucracy. Are we going to have true believers or are we going to have the usual suspects? And even then, you only got the
3: the four years. And this is the thing, Jose. Now, ultimately, I think that the rod is to this is my personal opinion, and I've said it before. The rod is too deep. You, you, there are too many squabbling nations living on this continent to ever have a cohesive government. I think the only ultimate solution is going to be some form of secession. You got Trump for four more
4: years, maybe. And I think that's good. I think I that, hope people will provoke blue states to secede from well, the union. See, and if they do, our response should be, don't let the door hit you in the ass when you the, go. Yes, the... Uh,
3: he he is uniquely capable of provoking them, and 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 there's there's good in that because I mean he Black Lives Matter people got a big dose of racial reality because of the things that they rolled out to serve as impediments to when,
4: Trump. When we secede, we just need to make sure we have the nuclear weapons. <laughs> I do think success is going to be the ultimate thing because in four years he's gone. And, and you know, Jose, you can see what
3: the Republican donor class would like. They would love to revert back to pure atrophy and go with a Nikki Haley or something like yeah. that. Uh,
4: George Bush. Uh,
3: And then it's over, you know. So, again, whatever Trump can give us uh, in the next four years would would be good if he can stay in it that long, even if it's uh, just mistakes the left makes uh, as they... Sort of try to uh, combat him and all of that. All of this stuff they're doing right now, I mean, you just see people have to lose faith in the system before real change can occur. And you you see how criminally corrupt the courts and the media and everything else are. They have laid them, they have taken off the mask and laid it all bare.
4: The best thing we can do is provoke the left into taking, like having Cal exit or have New York and uh, California leave the nation. That would be the best thing that could happen to America, in my opinion, right now.
3: You know, Jose. Uh, I wanted to have you on the New Year's Eve show, the last show we did. You had a conflict. Uh, we couldn't get you on that night. Uh, but that was the night when everybody was making their predictions for this year. What kind of surprises are we going to see? It's uh, still early enough, not uh, too deep into the year to where we can still do that. I mean, there's going to be things coming this year. I mean, obviously, just all of the arrest of Trump already in these court cases in D.C. and in Atlanta and in and New
4: York. And also, you're talking about affirmative action. Look what happens when you get these female pros- black prosecutors and judges in the mix. I mean, Uh, our our Anglo-Saxon heritage of uh, an independent judiciary just goes out the window.
3: So what do you see happening this year? I mean, we're talking about the election as if it's going to be a normal year and and Trump is leading in the polls and it looks like he may win. But there's going to be a lot that happens between now as we said here at the end of january and november a lot including things we've never seen before already that's happening with these trials think about that during the break jose we'll come back and let you answer that just some predictions for things that may happen this year Uh, forget october surprises we'll be having surprises year round and then we're going to step out and talk with jose about uh how the unipolar world is coming to an end
15: Your
8: daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
10: USA News. I'm Cory Myers. A Russian military transport plane that was carrying 74 people, including 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, crashed today in a border region near Ukraine. Everyone on board was killed. A Russian state news agency reported that the POWs were being transported to the border region for a prisoner exchange. Marijuana sales in Michigan were high last year. A report from the Michigan Cannabis Regulatory Agency says that sales of cannabis were over $3 billion, which is higher than the alcohol sales in the state. As expected, not everyone is happy with that news, with some upset about marijuana's effects on the social problems in the state. If you're curious, that total works out to just over $300 $300 per person in the state of Michigan. Former President Donald Trump won New Hampshire's Republican presidential primary yesterday, defeating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in New Hampshire and moving him closer to a rematch with President Biden this fall. Trump's campaign celebrated his win by sending a fundraising text to supporters declaring this race is over. And just a little note to Nikki She's not going to win. Haley says she's not going anywhere and plans to stay in the race. Western China reeling from aftershocks after a 7.1 magnitude earthquake yesterday in a remote part of the country. About 12,000 people were staying in tents and shelters. Three people were killed, five injured, hundreds of buildings were damaged. The death toll is considered relatively light thanks to the low population around the epicenter of the quake. This is USA News.
14: I'd like to introduce you to our new sponsor, Get The Tea. Get The Tea carries all-natural, non-GMO organic teas and supplements made in the USA. Get The Tea's ingredients are the purest available. My favorite is Life Change Tea. Life Change Tea is a gentle daily cleanse containing 12 herbs that, when combined, really keep things moving. I drink it every day, and my energy has never been better. I'm feeling great. Life Change Tea comes in three delicious flavors, natural, peppermint, and pomegranate. It's an easy and delicious way to keep your digestion on track. And for those on the go, try D365. D365 is Life Change Tea in a capsule. Drink the tea or take D365 capsules and keep your digestion running smoothly. Go to getthetea.com and enter discount code USA to get 10% off any size order. That's GettheT.com discount code USA, for 10% off your order.
3: Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Hello, TPC family, it's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, AmericaFirst.com That's M-E-R-I-C-A 1-S-T dot com .com. (laughs) AmericaFirst.com back with journalist Jose Nino our good friend and we are going to spend just another minute on domestic politics then I want to talk to him about global global politics he uh, has a very nice feature bye bye unipolarity and the new world disorder there at the end of December at his substacks so we're going to get to that but Jose what i found so interesting was uh, the last show of the year. We had a different guest every segment to offer predictions and forecasts for 2024. And these are people of such like mind, except on this. I think everyone had a different opinion of how it was going to play out. Trump's going to win. Trump's going to not win. Yes, but also... Trump's going to not gonna win, and they won't admit be it. Be on the ballot. Uh, there's going to be famine and pestilence, and there's going to be more Black Lives Matter rioting. They're going to get reactivated. Maybe another pandemic. Uh, maybe a nuclear war. I mean, it was all on the table. What do you see? Do you what do you see when you look forward to between now and November?
0: Um, because of the massive immigration <clears throat> um, crisis at the southern border. Um, I think you may see the um, – a George Floyd-like incident where, like, uh, a migrant, um, like, ostensibly dies uh, with, like a, like, a border patrol enforcer, like, right next to them. And then, like, there's going to be a huge, like, media brouhaha about how, like, um, border patrol is completely, like, racist and unjust. I think there's going to be something like of that fact that the media is going to try to, like, drum up because, like, just, like, the sheer number of people um, – penetrating the border right now is so massive that eventually, like, somebody is probably going to, like, die of, like, heat exhaustion or whatever there, um, and they're going to make, uh, they're going to, like, turn that into, like, a big thing, um, now on, um, the general election, yeah, I think that Trump is likely going to win, that's my prediction that he'll win, um, though I do think that he may, there may be, like, some, like, subversive attempts to, uh, take him out because of all these like trials that he has, um, throughout his, like the or early date, uh, early year of his like presidency. Um, and I could see a scenario where the GOP says like, um, Hey, uh, like we will let you go off like scot-free, but you have to resign and then like, we'll pardon you. Yes. If you, um, get convicted. That's something that I think could very likely happen. Um, On the geopolitical front, um, I think that um, the Biden regime may end up conducting some type of strike on Iran because um, there's been a lot of growing tensions, um, not only in the Red Sea with the Houthis, which are um, a nominal Iranian ally, but also um, the Iranians have been launching a lot of missile strikes um, in – Directly into Iraq that have attacked like these Kurdish areas, which are basically like a freaking Zionist uh, fifth column, if you will, because like all these groups like Kurds, Azeris, and whatnot that are in Iran or like within Iran's historical uh, sphere of influence, they're like, the they're and exploited my enemy is
4: my friend. By... Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're, um, they're, they always like are exploited by uh, the Israelis. And that's been something that external powers have exploited about Iran because Iran has like historically been like a pretty like uh multicultural empire. Um, and they're probably going to, uh, the Iranians uh, will likely end up striking like U.S. military bases in Iraq, um, which will create like these like tit-for-tat type of strikes.
3: Well, you know, okay, that's interesting because of course already you have now some bombs falling in Yemen. They said they're going to keep up that action. The Biden administration has announced. And then you have these Yemeni pirates who are on these boats. It's like Captain Phillips. They're out there doing TikTok videos of them, like, trying yeah. to attack. And, some. you know,
4: they are the adults in the room, uh, Jose. Well, they're know, attacking they're, these big tankers with water hoses and water guns. Well, they're only attacking shipping that's going yeah. to or coming from Israel. They're not attacking the Chinese. They're not attacking... Yeah, other, uh, the Russians, uh, yeah.
3: But what's other... interesting is they're having a good time doing it. They're do- hey, did you see this, Jose? They're doing these TikTok videos. They're just having a yeah, good I time out there. Yeah, I saw that. They
0: actually took them down, too, on TikTok, yeah. <laughs>
4: I yeah. saw them before they did. I want to see one of them dressed like Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, that, that would be something. fun, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Yemen, Um. yeah, another prediction there. I could see – Um. I could see the U.S. Um, actually um, really escalate tensions there, and maybe even put boots on the ground there because um, if you read about the Yemeni conflict now, the Saudis they're actually starting to wind that down. They um they got their asses kicked in northern Yemen by the Houthis, and um, because of the like Iran Saudi Arabia normalization, which was um brokered by China um I think a downstream effect of that is that the Saudis now um they're um they're now like more willing to negotiate um an end to the Yemeni conflict but I think the US might have other plans and um knowing um like the wacko Zionist faction that's in, um charge of the White House um they will likely try to like um stoke tensions there all
3: right so, it does appear as though there is already sort of a reshuffling of the global order. I don't want to say new world order in, 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 yeah. in that context, uh, yeah. but uh, I mean, what do you see as it continues to play out? As America continues to just be despised by the world uh, for taking a side, we have always, well, at least in my lifetime, always have been sort of like the. The
4: global uh, the, uh, I, I don't want busman, to say we're that we're the honest broker, but we're not anymore. We're seen as the lapdog of the Israelis.
3: Well, whatever. I was going to say the global cop. We're just sort of like the global overlord. But do you see a more uh, a, 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 an end to this unipolarity, uh, Jose, coming with the emergence of China and Russia? Or how does that play? I mean, that's a big issue. That's a big question.
4: We're going to have to retreat to the Monroe Doctrine.
0: Um. Yes, actually, the point about the Monroe Doctrine that Keith raised is something that um will inevitably uh, be brought about once this process will crystallize, but I think it could take some time. Um. Yeah, I think that with um the harsh reality is that the unipolar moment of like the 1990s, right after the dissolution of the Soviet Union, is actually kind of like a rarity in um the history of international affairs because there's a natural tendency for there to be like multiple competing like hegemons or regional powers um in the or in the in the stage of international like geopolitics and <clears throat> with the case of like the US um you're just seeing like a classic case of um imperial overstretch with it just depleting it and its NATO satrapies military stocks by trying to Arm Ukraine to the hilt against Russia, um, and basically, what's a uh, what is like a fight to have like Ukrainians uh, fight Russia to the last Ukrainian, and um, sanction Russia to the last um, EU citizen that has five dollars in their pocket. Where and then you have this Middle Eastern brouhaha that is very much a Israeli like Zionist sponsored endeavor. That could turn into like a regional conflagration.
4: Well, should Israel wants US... to take over the whole Middle East. I think is what is going on. And, yeah, uh,
0: the Greater Israel project is definitely um, on the minds of some of these like freak show Zionist um, types that have um, assumed power um, in the last like thirty years, especially on the Israeli and, right um,
4: and our own icons too. That, the same thing in yeah. uh, Ukraine. They. They want to take over. They're the ones behind this, you know, that they're trying to con America into thinking they're going to be the world hegemon. And about a month later, they're going to say, damn it.
0: China as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, the emergence of China and Russia, um, two nuclear powers that um, are large civilization states that are willing to assert their will on the international stage is a big game changer. I'd even add in some like regional powers as I mentioned before like Iran, they're also changing the game. Like the the what you're seeing now is a recipe for like the US um not being able to throw its weight around. And not to mention like the US has so many domestic problems too cuz um being like a, a geopolitical heavyweight um is largely the province of a of a polity that's like got its um, shit in order domestically because um, if you have like this much trouble, um, what on all fronts, I just think like the U S is becoming like Rome 2.0. Yeah. And it's just such a shame,
3: uh, Jose, that the West had to go so far out of its way to alienate Russia. Of course, when uh, they were communists and Bolsheviks, they were our great ally in world war two. And then uh, of course, now that uh, they are not those things, they are what our enemy. They've driven them into the hands of the the Chinese, or driven them into league—not to their hands, but they are now in well, well, league well, with with China. And, and when they should have been our greatest ally, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, they are the best among us, and maybe the key to white syphil- to white survival.
4: Well, the unspoken gorilla again in the room is that in order to be aligned with America, you've got to be for sexual depravity. Yeah, that's and right. The rest of the world is saying, no, we're not going there with
3: Russia should be the great ally of the United States, not what it is now. Uh, And it's just a shame that we have such mismanagement of our affairs. We'll be right back. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog, with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com.
6: Matthew twenty four twenty four teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21, our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3, the many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote, John 10, 25 through 27. The beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida 33421.
3: All right, folks, uh, back one more segment with Jose Nino talking about issues both near and far, home and abroad. Jose, I've been telling people, I have it bookmarked, so I don't have to do this. So I'm telling people, go to Google, Jose Nino unfiltered, because the URL for your Substack is uh, a little bit, well, they have, you know, it's a little bit difficult to speak over the air. What's the most direct way people can find what you're up to?
0: Um. Yeah, just go over to my Substack, Jose Nino Unfiltered, or my uh, ex-Twitter account, uh, at Jose Al Nino.
3: And where all are you writing these days? Uh, above and beyond your own shop there, of course. You have fantastic features in the American Free Press, Weekly, uh, and i I got to say, I can remember being in Alabama with John Friend uh last uh, fall it was the same trip we went to with jared taylor to selma and we were in uh, the hotel room just kind of talking shop and i was like you know there's really the john there's this guy named jose nino that you really need to look at i think he'd be a really great fit for the american free press and, and it's blown me away uh how much more than that you have been jose just fantastic work there where else are you
0: writing big league politics is where i write up but um as well but it's mostly that big league and american free press these days i do some ghost fighting work for a certain um several websites but publicly i'm mostly on Substack, big league politics and american free press these days okay there you have it
3: ladies and gentlemen and be sure to stay tuned with uh, what he's doing always good content uh, with el nino speaks his podcast and then of course what he writes uh, and he has a, a razor sharp pen. Let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, another feature you have there at your Substack. And that is, well, this computer here at the studio, I had it pulled up. Uh, you're talking about uh, the new world disorder I- here at home, I guess, or, or perhaps throughout the West, the rapidly changing political environment in the West. What do you mean by that?
0: Um, mostly how, What I believe is baked into the cake in 21st century politics in the West and the US both domestically and politically is this instability on all fronts, whether it's the competency crisis where you're seeing like the US turn into a facsimile of idiocracy where nothing functions and you just have like quite literally like stupid people in charge of like almost all facets of society and as a result, the society degrades. To the U.S.'s imperial overstretch abroad where um, it could result in it facing numerous humiliations on the world stage. Um, you're just seeing, um, I believe, what is looking like a chaotic 21st century that will um, throw away a lot of the assumptions we had about governance during the 20th century, which generally was seen as like a normal uh, time, uh, period of like American ascendancy. Um, I think like for example on a like institutional political level um 2024 um you can make the case might be the last election to be honest because um elections in the US have just gotten so poorly managed and no one has like trust in them and there is like a um, a legitimacy crisis um before us as we've seen in 2016 with um Uh, libtards are screeching about Russia interfering in the elections. And in 2020, with Trump supporters making justified claims about election fraud and irregularities, um, you're just seeing uh, a total breakdown, in my opinion, and loss of faith in institutions. So this disorder is is just going to become the norm, um, I believe, in the decades to come.
4: Our elites are trying to take over the world, but they're sabotaging their own efforts with their crazy woke agenda you know they've now decided that sexual perversity is a civil right and the rest of the world has to get on board with it or they're our enemy and we'll start bombing them
3: yeah and then i mean again this goes back uh, talking about elections those which you were just talking uh, mentioning goes back to some things that they could have up their sleeves and uh, between now and the election day another pandemic something that's going to get those mailbox looking uh, type of apparatuses back on the street corners where people are just coming in and dumping ballots in a mailbox, you know, no ID well, they, required. They
4: that rather than the post office, because the post office is subject to rules, regulations, and laws, but these dump boxes aren't.
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, again, it's all on the table this year, up to and including assassination. Who knows? I I will tell you, you're already seeing, I've said it before already, this program, you're already seeing things with these trials of Trump, these criminal trials, three of them at least in an election. Totally you, unprecedented. You've ne- in American history, it's unprecedented. So already you're going to have an unprecedented year, and I think you're going to have much more. I think there's going to be some things coming. People were talking about black swan type of episodes and things that uh, could happen. You're going to see things happen this year that you've never seen before. Now uh, I do see one more thing. Well, go go ahead and take that one, Jose. And I got one more thing from your website I want to touch on.
0: Well, um, yeah, I do think that you're going to political assassinations um, is something that actually could potentially happen as well. Because, of course, um, we've had plenty you,
4: of those. We had JFK. We had RFK. Yeah. We had Martin Luther King. There are all of these things that we thought, look, it goes all the way back to William McKinley. That was uh, yeah. uh, a, a Jewish uh, uh, Marxist who was part of Emma Goldman's uh, Sachs Cafe group.
3: Well, what do you think about the prospects of an assassination uh, coming up in America this year? I mean, obviously unlikely, but they, it's, they've done oh, it before. Yeah, unlikely.
0: Uh, Unlikely, but I think it's going to start happening though um, with a lot of this – look at younger millennials and Zoomers. They're incredibly um, socially alienated and um, they tend to also be embracing pretty radical politics. And as people start to lose faith in the political system, they will use extra political means to try to impose their will on others and one common way of doing that. Is using this raw violence, and it will likely happen. I mean, you have like so many mentally ill people in the U.S. This is another thing too. Like the cl- the mass closure of like uh, mental institutions and like psychiatric wards that um, the administration of Ronald Reagan um, ushered in, like it's creating UCLA. like in, in, yeah, um, like that these organizations have ushered in, like um, it's creating like a um, what is basically like a country that's an open air asylum and uh, so yes. something's going to pop off
3: well you may no i think listen folks you heard it here first and that is if imprisoning somebody, taking him off the ballot. If these things don't work, where do you go after that? I mean, obviously, the assassination card
4: would be in the deck, and uh, we don't want that, but it's, it's certainly something.
3: Uh, uh, I
10: don't
4: think some people will take loss. They will not allow themselves to lose. They will do whatever it takes, including assassination. All
3: right, we'll see. Uh, Got, you know. God only knows. but This is our
4: enemies, by the way, not our people.
3: Talking about psychopaths and mentally ill and deranged and all of that, I see here on your Substack, Jose, the reprehensible, really one of the worst human beings alive, John Bolton. Uh, he was sitting not far from me at the Republican National Convention I had to go in Dallas just to be in this breathing the same oxygen as Woodward right past me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. All of these people like John Bolton, they need to be the Lindsey Graham, they need to be the first they want to go to war so bad they need to get on the plane. They need to be they need to show us how it's done and lead by example, get out there and yeah. do some fighting. This thing with Iran, they have been he's been wanting to get into Iran uh, for 20, 30 years now. I mean see, just
4: See that's a perfect example of the problems with Trump. Because Trump appointed that guy to a high position. Now, that's you what know. we're hoping that he's
3: learned from. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we know what we're going to get from Biden. But yeah, just real quick. I mean, you you've already touched on on this, but uh, why the obsession with destroying Iran? I think it's a, probably a pretty simple question. But let's get Jose's answer.
0: Uh, I mean, uh, Zog, like that's like. Um...
4: <laughs> that's it. <laughs> see, they're I mean, in the way. It, they're the main competitor for uh, dominance in the Israel. East. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
10: Well,
0: a- I mean, a lesser um explained factor is like the residual um <clears throat> boomer um influence of some Republicans that are still butthurt hurt about uh the Iran hostage crisis of like 1979. But um I think the bigger factor is like um the um uh, Jewish supremacist like um influence um uh, in DC foreign policy circles that want to take out um Iran, um. for for the simple fact that it poses like the biggest threat to Israel because it it is like absolutely risible to suggest that um, Iran is like an essential threat to the US. Um, Funny enough, if you actually look at what they do in the Middle East, um, they attack a lot of Sunni militant groups and kill a lot of um, Islamic networks that wreak havoc um, in Europe because the majority, if you look at the demographics of Who's committing a lot of these crimes and terrorist acts um in um Europe and even like um to a lesser degree in the US, it's mostly like Sunni Arab or Pakistani um individuals and not really like Iranians per se. So like um it's really like at the end of the day, like the obsession with Iran is a um, is a cocktail of um, Zionist influence with some um, residual boomer uh payback sentiments there you um, have it. mixed together. Yeah.
3: Sharp analysis, and he cuts to the bone.
4: Well, it, you know, there's a fight about who's going to be king of the hill in the Middle East. Is it going to be Iran or Israel? And Israel is using us to back their power play to be king of the hill.
0: Jose, final word to you, buddy. Well, um, yeah, again, you can follow my work on Substack, Jose Nino, unfiltered, J-O-S-B-C-F.substack.com. My podcast, El Nino Speaks, is also there, but you can also follow, follow that on Apple and Spotify. And yeah, and I, all, and I publish um, four times a month at the American Free Press, so if you want to check out my written content, go there. And also Big League Politics is where I publish the bulk of my written content, too.
3: Hey, listen, folks, he's one of my favorites. Wherever he's at is where you need to be. Great commentary, uh, written and uh, verbal and otherwise, and it's always great to have him and, on TPC. as we've said before, he will call us crazy, a that. dirty show. <laughs> What's coming? And then some. Uh, Jose, always great to talk to you. Keep up the great work, and we will talk to you again soon. Taylor Young from Antelope Hill Publishing is on deck. We're going to be talking about one of their newest release, releases, a, a book that's very much piqued my interest. So stay tuned for that. Thank you, Jose.
9: Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com.
1: You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423.
8: Is there
9: a
1: count somewhere? You're listening to Resolution Radio Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com
8: Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our Constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery and We will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us.
2: You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards.
3: Welcome back, everybody. One more hour in our broadcasting month, Saturday evening, January the 27th. We're back now with... Our friend Taylor Young, a member of the editorial staff at Antelope Hill Publishing, com, We have entered into a partnership with uh, our friends over at Antelope Hill over the course of the last uh, year, year and a half. And uh, as you know, usually the last uh, Saturday of each month, uh, we feature a different uh, writer, a different book
4: from uh, Antelope Hill. And. Give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play. That's, That's where we are now.
3: Absolutely right. Well, uh, anyway, uh, Taylor is back with us now, uh, and uh, we'll say hello to him. Taylor, how are you?
15: Hello, I'm doing great. Very happy to be on here again, first one this year, and I'm I'm very excited.
3: All right. Uh, well, it's great to have you. And this book, I really enjoyed all of the authors. Uh, Taylor is the one we actually work with. I'll give you a little behind the scenes information. Uh, Taylor is the one we work with. Uh, to uh, book uh, a lot of the different authors there at Antelope Hill, and sometimes he appears in his own right as well. And I've enjoyed all of the books that we've talked about and all of the different personalities. But this book especially, I think, for me personally, uh, struck uh, a particular chord of interest. Brand new, just released, Generation 68, as in 1968, The Elite Revolution and Its Legacy. Uh, Now, this was written by Kerry Bolton, and I'm just going to read the first paragraph of the back cover here. Marked by cultural revolution and bold new ways of thinking and living, including revolutions in philosophical thought, economic practices, and cultural touchstones, such as music and dress, the 1960s ushered in a new era. However, in Generation 68, the elite revolution and its legacy, prolific author Kerry Bolton argues that the supposed grassroots, quote-unquote, youth revolt of the 1960s, 60s was anything but instead of a bottom-up revolt of the youth it was in fact a top-down revolt of the elites now this was interesting because you know certainly we focus on so much the so-called civil rights movement how that was all a staged produced thing and i never really looked at the white side of the so-called countercultural revolution of that time
4: yeah see i lived through this um taylor and it's um you're right. It was sold as being some type of bottom-up youth revolution, you know, starting with the Mario Savio-led free speech movement at Berkeley in 1964. And the days of rage, the Democratic Presidential Nominating Convention in 1968 is basically where the Democratic Party got a new set of leaders, the old typical... Labor union socialists, slash communist uh, standard Marxists were replaced by the cultural Marxists, but the cultural Marxists, to me at least, didn't seem like they were ready to take over. The when they actually got control in the next presidential election, they had a historic loss fifty, I mean forty nine states to one, with George McGovern. But uh, they've, but they've stayed in power. A- am I wrong with my assessment there? Tell me, well. Uh, if any of that is a uh, uh, missing yeah. the point,
15: no, no, I, it's it's, um, it's spot on. I think. I mean, um, it's very interesting. One of the things the book talks a lot about is how, just like you're saying, you had kind of these more old school Marxists or communists um, who really who you know were were part of the Soviet Union or, or grew up in its its shadow, and you know they were. Uh, part of the influence of the Soviet Union on the world in its attempt to create the worldwide communist revolution. And so what the U.S. did through the CIA, uh, particularly um, during this time period, was just manufacture a new leftism, like you called it, a a cultural Marxism, that was – sometimes it was – more anti-Soviet than it was basically anything else. So certainly than it was, you know, attached to what you would think of as like traditionally leftist issues, like labor rights or, or um, decolonization or whatever. Um, but, you know, this was entirely a top-down manufactured by an intelligence agency as well as, you know, a big uh, um, individual donors and and stuff like that people like the ford foundation and the rockefellers um and this whole movement this new left movement was manufactured basically entirely to support america's foreign policy goals and america's foreign policy agenda which included undermining the soviet union um and then moved on from that to undermining america's own allies and taking you know some of those uh, leftist or new left narratives like decolonization and stuff like that and applying it to the british and the french and and all of it is just to um, decrease the influence of anyone other than america on the world stage and then at the same time domestically you know uh like like you alluded to there was a cultural revolution going on where there was an attack on uh what remained of traditional american society and uh, collective american society and there was a push for um commercialization and this uh, you know, this pretty like degenerate, individualized culture that uh, really ruined the country in, in a lot of ways. So that's a lot well, of what the, it, the book is about.
4: Well, you know, to put it in the baldest terms possible, it was an anti-white movement. Everything that the left did pretended to be something that it was not. For example, the civil rights movement was not pro-black, it was anti-white. The feminist movement wasn't pro-woman, it was anti-male. The homosexual rights movement wasn't pro-homosexual, it was anti-heterosexual. And, you know, down the line. And that's what they were basically deconstructing society according to, um, like, the authoritarian uh, personality uh, pamphlet written by um, Theodore Adorno back in the early 50s, and Herbert Marcuse and people like this were like the uh, fault leaders of cultural Marxism in America, and they wanted to mobilize the students as a revolutionary cadre, but and also all minorities. Uh, and see, the old-fashioned leftists like Hubert Humphrey, you know, they basically uh, um, got knocked out, and they've never uh, gotten up off the canvas since. Uh That's where I saw what was going on. I remember the Chicago 7. In fact, I did a project in college where I interviewed people to get their ideas about the Chicago 7. And down here in Memphis, it was almost unanimously negative towards them. But that didn't matter because the people in charge of the media wanted to portray them as heroic you had all these so-called heroic groups like the Symbionese Liberation Army and the uh, SDS Weathermen and stuff like this, that were supposed to be seen as you know uh, avatars of you know a brave new world, and you know it, it was it was a time of great turmoil in the Democratic Party and what threw the Republicans into the presidency, and you know they they basically stayed in for over 10 years or maybe even 12 years well basically from nixon until uh i guess clinton uh, the republican party won all the presidencies am i missing something here or what do you think
15: sorry uh yeah well um It definitely was a huge um, part of the civil rights movement, this this whole, you know, elite organized revolution. Yeah. And and uh, there is some very interesting information on that in here as well. I mean, I I learned that uh, um, MLK's bail uh, when he was uh, jailed in Montgomery was personally uh, put up by Nelson Rockefeller. Um, So I, I didn't know that before. Um, but and they just used to like talk about saying,
4: Rockefeller Republicans, you know, Back yeah, then, that was yeah. the liberal branch of the Republicans. Barry Goldwater was a conservative group.
15: Yeah. And that, that's, that's a part of, um, of this as well, the kind of like Goldwater reaction and, and some of the reaction on the Republican side that took place to this. Um, and they were in, in, in power for, uh, for a while. Um, <clears throat> but I think that, you know, even when we, we look in, in hindsight, like the cultural effects of this movement were so, they were so effective and they were so total that, you know, the, the same ideas ended up permeating the Republican Party ultimately as well. I mean, the Republican Party hasn't been pro-white in, you know, arguably ever, honestly, but, but certainly not in a, in a long, long time. And it has been just as committed um, in many cases to the same kind of uh, cultural, uh, pushes to toward uh, uh degeneracy and undermining of american culture as And, and you were um,
4: right, the, too about that being the see the problem was the elite on both parties had been converted to this.
3: All right, let's take a quick break right there. I told Taylor uh via email earlier this week that Keith having been between the three of us, one who is actually there and present for the 1960s would be great to have on for this particular interview. And uh, we're going to continue to talk about the book, this newest release at Antelope Hill, "Generation 68: The Elite Revolution and Its Legacy" by Carrie Bolton. Stay tuned. This is a comprehensive book—25 chapters, nearly 400 pages. We'll continue to sink our teeth into it.
1: That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com.
3: We're back with Taylor Young of the Antelope Hill Editorial Board, antelopehillpublishing.com, talking about this uh, new release, very interesting, Generation 68, the Elite Revolution and its Legacy. We talk often about the content at Antelope Hill, how good it is, but it's not just the content. I mean, I guess that's the most important part, but uh, of almost equal importance is the fact that it is presented well. It is presented sharp and attractive, and you need that uh, when you're attempting to Uh, put forth a message. Reading again a little bit more from the book, Uh, the author Kerry Bolton echoes the assessment that both the left and its supposed antithesis, capitalism, share in their roots a rebellious spirit against authenticity. And he goes on to stress how the manipulation of the so-called youth revolt played a primary role in what has brought us to the modern predicament, a world completely lacking in objectivity and authenticity. Generation 68 exposes the phoniness of the 1960s youth revolt for what it is and delves into its various aspects and effects, including the Cold War CIA origins of certain youth movements, hip capitalism uh, of Woodstock, Hare, and Hollywood uh, uh, co-optations, federal agency, and founding funding for radical groups, including the Students for a Democratic Society, the SDS, the 68 revolts in Paris, the United States in Prague, and employment of new leftists in the Peace Corps' Vista, et cetera. You remember any
4: of this, Keith? remember it all, and I remember, too, that it kind of all grew out of the Civil Rights Movement. The left struck gold with the Civil Rights Movement. They became uh, righteous and holy and, uh, like Caesar's wife, beyond reproach. Because of that, and the South which was on the other side who knew the racial realities that were, um, you know, going to raise their ugly heads regardless of what the laws were, they were looking for a home. They used to be part of the old Democratic coalition uh, and a vital part. They're the reason why, you know, uh, from uh, the Herbert Hoover administration, uh, you know, from the Roosevelt administration on until in the 50s, they were in charge because, of the South and the votes that Southerners brought to it, but after the Civil Rights Movement it became clear that uh, it had been a complete rout of the uh, forces of conservatism. They were looking for a home and they got into the Republican Party, but they forgot that the Republicans were the liberals before the Democrats were the liberals. And I think, you know, people like Nelson Rockefeller and Richard Nixon were really liberals. They had always been liberals on racial issues, for example. So uh, basically, as weak as the new left was, they were uh, stronger than the uh, cobbled-together Republican coalition.
3: Well, we're going to go through some of the 25 chapters, just to give you an idea of the contents of the book. Now, you can actually read along for yourself at antelopehillpublishing.com. You can click on this title and then browse through the table of contents. But uh, back to Taylor Young, our guest. Uh, Taylor, uh, Antelope Hill is very selective about what it chooses to publish. Why was this something that uh, you wanted to get out to the reading public?
15: Well, I think it's a very important book. Um, there's a lot of information here that is very relevant, it's very informative to how we got to where we are, and it's it's, uh, uh, it's you can even glean from the table of contents. It's it's very very well researched. There's a lot of information packed in here about different groups and different people and different events, um, and I think it does a really good job at putting it all together and giving you a a full picture of how. Total, this cultural revolution was, and how totally controlled and and top-down created it was, um, and I, I think it really you know goes to show that um, you know all all this stuff like the the, the civil rights movement and um, the color revolutions abroad and the changes that have taken place in American society and on college campuses and all that um, it it really came from from these people to a large degree at least they attained power first and then they use that to create these you know supposedly organic looking movements um to you know continue to destroy ultimately their own country i mean it's a when you kind of step back and look at it, it's a very strange thing to think about that you have your own elites trying to destroy your own country and uh, undermine their own people uh like he said earlier you know this is ultimately it was an anti-white revolution um and it's 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 kind of a strange thing to consider when you step back and look at it, but but that's that's what it was, and that brings us to uh, where we are today and what we have to deal with.
4: Well, it's a um, it was like your exactly as you said it was disguised as being some grassroots uprising. I remember there was a movie that came out about this time called Wild in the Streets, uh, where apparently they were going to kill everybody over thirty and whatnot in the movie. It was a, a silly kind of, uh, you know, a worshipful look at the uh, youthful left at the time, but it wasn't so much a youthful left as it was a Jewish left, of course, and that, that has become the great taboo, the thing that you cannot mention, you know, as um, as Voltaire supposedly said, if you want to know who rules over you, ask who you're not allowed to criticize. Well, all of that was going on. Most of these new left people you know uh there are a few exceptions like tom hayden but most of them like abby hoffman jerry rubin uh, you know the uh you know were jewish and they were the ones that were you know taking center stage and quite frankly that the fact that they were jewish was not advertised and people were wondering what the heck is going on and in a place like memphis for example we didn't have a lot of student radicals you had a uh, a few guys growing their hair long because they wanted to get laid uh, tried to pretend like they were uh, hippies and whatnot. But, you know, it was a mile wide and an inch deep. Nobody really believed in that stuff. And we were wondering, we thought that basically the whole country had gone mad. Uh, you know, the hippie movement and the, uh, you know, days of rage uh, and Ch- Chicago's Democratic Mayor Daley, you know, coming in and uh Cracking skulls and whatnot—that was, you know, that was exactly what they wanted. But it was a complete misrepresentation of what was going on. You were right; it was an elite revolution, not a grassroots revolution.
15: Yeah, and and to your point about the Jewish influence—I mean, you know—if you read through the book, there's so many Rubens and Cohens and and other such names. Um, it it really it, it definitely I think. Um, helps to explain what really happened here, that this was basically an, an elite that did not identify itself with the, the people of this country, and, and so it had ultimately no mercy on them.
4: Well, they tried to pretend like something like the Port Huron statement, which is what uh, the SDS Weatherman came up with as their agenda for change. That had nothing at all to do with what was going on, the decisions were being made on Wall Street and Madison Avenue.
15: Yep, and there were so many of these organizations that were directly funded by Wall Street and, and by uh, people who made their fortune on there. I think actually one of them, uh, again, I didn't know before, was the uh, NAACP was um, conceived of and, and funded by a um, uh, Wall Street. Uh, yeah, well, well it, it, was, it was. It was a Wall Street Jew. I forget. His, I think his name was, was Cohen or, or, or Coon or something like that. So.
4: Well, every president of the NAACP up until Ben Hooks of Memphis in the mid '70s was a Jewish male, not a black, but a Jew.
5: Yeah,
15: that's crazy. And and they um on what they also did on the other hand was you know they kind of. Uh, um, elevated or, or pushed along, like some of the more radical black movements, like the Black Panthers and black separatism and you know so-called black nationalism, which the book makes the point that in many cases there's really no you know serious ideology to speak of. There, it's these are just thugs that that are using uh, these you know these new Marxist terms uh, as cover, and they they would use them. They would point to that and say, you know, hey, like America. The, this is the other alternative like this, or, or you have, you know, so-called moderates like, like MLK. Um, so it, it was a, kind of the start of this, this dialectic where they didn't really present people with, with any option other than, you know, to uh, um, take this cultural revolution and, and go down either the hard road or the, you know, even harder road.
4: Well, see, MLK was a complete invention. And the reason he was in Memphis where he was assassinated was because he had been famous for being able to have these protests and not have them devolve into, you know, uh, violent uprisings. Well, in Memphis, at the time, they had a group of young Turks called the Invaders that infiltrated the ranks of the marchers, and as soon as they got started, they just started breaking out windows, stealing stuff and whatnot, and it was a major embarrassment. To the civil rights, of uh, I guess it, uh, you know head table, and King had to come back to Memphis to prove that he could actually uh, be in charge of a nonviolent uh, uh, march, which was supposed to happen, you know. And in the meantime, he got assassinated, and of course, the assassination had to have some major league help. You have a criminal uh james or ray who couldn't even knock over a liquor store or a convenience store without being caught the next day and never been out of the country he eludes an fbi dragnet uh goes to canada then he's never been out of the country before he manages somehow to get a passport and go to europe and stay there for a couple of months until he's eventually captured in england but see none of that makes sense none of that you know, is, is uh, within the realm of possibility. Something was going on. It's just, you know, uh, assassination, you know, people are talking about what will they do? Will they assassinate Trump if he gets elected? Well, they've been assassinating people basically since the William McKinley assassination. Uh, you know, the same group. Uh, and, you know, Martin Luther King was probably one of them. And see, all of this was uh, disguised and in, in, Uh, supposedly grassroots lone wolves doing stuff like this. And that's just, you know, it's beggar's belief.
3: We'll be right back with Taylor Young of Antelope Hill Publishing, discussing the brand new book. You can buy it tonight, Generation 68, The Elite Revolution and Its Legacy. We're going to get into some of those chapters and talking points right after this.
8: Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
10: USA News, I'm Cory Myers. A Russian military transport plane that was carrying 74 people, including 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, crashed today in a border region near Ukraine. Everyone on board was killed. A Russian state news agency reported that the POWs were being transported to the border region for a prisoner exchange. Marijuana sales in Michigan were high last year. A report from the Michigan Cannabis Regulatory Agency says that sales of cannabis were over $3 billion, which is higher than the alcohol sales in the state. As expected, not everyone is happy with that news, with some upset about marijuana's effects on the social problems in the state. If you're curious, that total works out to just over $300 per person in the state of Michigan. Former President Donald Trump won New Hampshire's Republican presidential primary yesterday, defeating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in New Hampshire and moving him closer to a rematch with President Biden this fall. Trump's campaign celebrated his win by sending a fundraising text to supporters declaring this race is over. And just a little note to Nikki She's not going to win. Haley says she's not going anywhere and plans to stay in the race. Western China reeling from aftershocks after a 7.1 magnitude earthquake yesterday in a remote part of the country. About 12,000 people were staying in tents and shelters. Three people were killed, five injured, hundreds of buildings were damaged. The death toll is considered relatively light thanks to the low population around the epicenter of the quake. This is USA News.
11: The Honorable Cause, A Free South, is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern National authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie? The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspoo, and Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Hey there, TPC family, this is James Edwards, your host
3: of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. All right, back with Taylor Young talking about one of Antelope Hill Publishing's most recently unveiled titles, Generation 68, The Elite Revolution, and Its Legacy. Kerry Bolton wrote it. Taylor Young on tonight to promote it. And there is a lot of content here, Keith Alexander. I was wrong. I said 25 chapters. I stopped short. It's 31 uh, and at nearly 450 Pages. Let's go through some of the things uh, that are addressed in this book. And really, there's nothing that isn't addressed from that era uh, that this book doesn't cover or or touch on. It was
4: a true watershed. The 68 uh, Democratic nominating convention uh, was ahead of it.
3: Well, this is some of the uh, aspects of that so-called revolution that the book tackles. Building the liberal international order, Freudian PR, interstage left, the critical theorist. This is talking about, of course, Herbert Marcuse Keith, who you've talked about many times. The origins of the new left, student world federalists, world assembly of youth, international student conference, students for democratic action, students for democratic society, uh, the establishment agenda, the Port Huron statement, sponsoring campus tumult of uh, the Peace Corps, the Goldwater Revolt. Now that was a very interesting chapter in all of this. But uh, the new, le- uh, excuse me, the New Reconstruction, race riots and oligarchs, Harlem and Columbia. Uh, continuing on, Saul Alinsky is covered uh, in a, in a chapter. Sex, drugs and rock and roll. Obviously, you know what they're getting into with that in the period of the of the late sixties, uh, hippies. Uh, Eugene McCarthy, Wall Street and Vietnam, the Chicago Seven or was it eight? Uh, The explosive issue of student restlessness, Germany, new left, defined by Nazi past, uh, and then a legacy and a conclusion. But I think early in the book is something I want to touch on, Taylor and that is The Significance of 1968. You look at all of this, let's talk about the significance and what uh, of those chapters and that myriad of topics that this book comprehensively covers, a uh, two-part question. What was the significance of 68? I know we've been talking about it already. And of all of the things that the book covers, what sort of fascinated you the most about that time and the American experiment?
15: Um, well, it was, it was a very, uh, I think, like... A, uh, Keith was, uh, saying a minute ago is a very, uh, pivotal date for this whole transformation and for the various movements and, and the people that, uh, um, took part in it, um, and that kind of put it together. Um, I think in, in line with that, one of the things that, that fascinated me, uh, the most about the book, and I, I think we kind of alluded to this a little earlier, but, um, you really had it's. It's amazing to me the way you had in this new left movement. You you had this synthesis between, uh, like capitalism and capitalism's ability to degrade culture and to atomize society, and at the same time, uh, leftist narratives and and leftist um, um, kind of just like a, a cloak uh, over things like decolonization stuff like that. You know, a uh, world government. Uh, um, pushing and pushing stuff like that. And um, really what it all came together to do was just to serve America's foreign policy interests at the time. So America through this was able to attack the Soviet Union, uh, attack it from the left. And then it was able to uh, transition that into attacking all other competitors, basically, and and all other um, remnants of national sovereignty around the world and to create uh, its its modern empire built on uh, Wall Street and its interests and and total free trade, the destruction of trade barriers and national barriers around the world, um, and uh, even military interventions you know in places like Libya and Iraq and so on, and color revolutions all around the world, and all of this was supported and it was put into action in many cases by, you know, these supposedly like leftist, uh, student movements and these supposedly Marxist student movements. And, um, you know, not that there's any, any value to, uh, Marxism kind of in and of itself, but it, it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing when you kind of step back and, and look at what they pulled off here and, uh, the way that it, they got all these supposedly revolutionary movements and supposedly revolutionary organizations and, and students, uh, to just to be uh, American imperialists for the benefit of Wall Street.
4: Well, you know, uh, Taylor, they they were drunk with power from the civil rights movement successes they'd had over the past, you know, decade before, from you know the mid fifties into the mid sixties, and uh, they had to take over the Democratic Party and get out the old guard socialists. Communists leadership, typified by people like Hubert Humphrey. But there was no place for the conservatives to go after Goldwater got routed. What was left after Goldwater in the Republican Party were a bunch of people that had been leftists before. Uh, you know, they used to have the black and tan Republican clubs in the South. All the black people that could vote, as they could in Memphis, were Republicans at least through the uh, late 50s. And there was no real uh, conservative uh, opposition that was organized into a political party. Uh, You know, uh, Richard Nixon certainly was not a conservative. He was one that basically gave the green light on affirmative action to the EEOC, which is one of the most disastrous policies for conservatives and for white people that the government has ever passed. Uh, he And Gerald Ford was another, you know, go-along, get-along type of uh, uh, standard-issue Republican from the old days. Uh, was Goldwater rep-
3: what he was cracked up to be, Keith?
4: He was uh, more so than, let's say— He wasn't George had- Wallace, but— he wasn't George Wallace, but, you know, I like the uh, story they had about when he went to um, Michigan and a supporter was taking him to the country club to play golf. And at the Go- golf country club, they said, we're sorry we don't allow Jews to play uh, uh, golf here. <laughs> and he said, I'm only half Jewish. Can I play nine holes? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, see, those uh, he was uh, – Left-wing, but on the other hand, he was not... Well, not Goldwater you're talking about. No, no. I mean, he was not a left-winger. He was definitely a right-winger, but like so many, he made something of an exception for the Civil Rights Movement and what the South and the true conservatives throughout the country were looking for was someone that would actually oppose the Civil Rights Movement. They couldn't find it. And, you know, the more things changed, the more they stayed the same. Basically, if you got... Because of the reaction of the public and the electorate to what happened in 68, most of the uh, people in the country were conservative and wanted a conservative alternative. But both parties were dominated by liberals of various uh, stripes. So that's where we got into the predicament we're in today. All right, Tom, back to you.
15: I think it's I think it's very uh, fascinating what you were saying earlier, Keith. About you pointed out that uh, you know you had this some somewhat of a racist influence for a while in the Democratic Party, and then that was kicked out by this cultural revolution. And when they some of these people tried to go to the Republican Party, it's it's like you said. I think people forget the Republican Party was the original liberal party, so there was no there was no place for. Uh, like you were saying yeah for 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 like the more conservative uh more more pro-white views to be expressed and and that's remained the case and i think that goes again to why i think this book is so valuable and so important it's because we are still living uh with the impact of all this and and to a large degree we haven't actually yet figured out uh you know an answer we haven't come up with a political expression for a response to this. Um, it, it's like you were saying, you know, people were looking for uh, some way to oppose this and, and some political force to oppose it, and they didn't find it, and, and so they lost. And, you know, we, we have not yet constructed it. So I, I think it's it's another See, thing that makes it like relevant Wallace to consider. We people like George Wallace show up.
4: We had people like George Wallace come as a third party because of this search for an authentic voice for the right. And what people i think are now becoming coming to realize is that the whole civil rights movement was a fraud it was a exercise in gaslighting they wanted to make people in the south and elsewhere ashamed of being segregationists well segregation is normal and natural birds of a feather flock together and uh, you know basically black people have shown that their segregation is too they want Separate graduation ceremonies. They want separate dormitories. They want separate courses of study, and no one complains about any other group's segregationist instincts except for white gentiles. Well,
3: interestingly, talking about uh, uh, Taylor was talking about the parties, of course, that flipped, and uh, how people like us were left without a home in either, you know, for, for so long. And it was George Wallace. That was the last time you had anyone other than a Republican and a Democrat carry states in a presidential election. You know, Ross Perot gets so much attention for getting a significant percentage of the vote, relatively speaking, but he didn't come close to carrying
4: a state, uh, whereas George Wallace carried several. So anyway, just something to think about as we head into the last break. The Civil Rights Movement was a way to split the white population, which is what the left wanted to do. Quick timeout, one more segment with Taylor Young.
3: Hello, TPC family, it's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, AmericaFirst.com That's M-E-R-I-C-A ones tcom dot AmericaFirst.com
14: In the medical field, IT security is crucial. Our highly skilled consultants are HIPAA certified and have 20-plus years of experience servicing medical clinics, billing and supply companies. We offer comprehensive endpoint protection, guarding your computers and servers against all stages of threats. And with our 24-7 monitoring services, you'll never worry about extensive downtime again. Ready to level up your IT support? Call 801-706-6980 today and discover how great IT services can be with Managed IT Services.
3: it's so at the top of the list of uh, antelope hill.com's featured products generation 68 taylor young uh, kicking off a brand new year of collaboration with Antelope Pill in uh, their first appearance uh, here at the end of January. Keith, again, I uh, rattled off. The list of chapters, which certainly kicks over every stone and examines what the scene was on the ground back during that unfortunate time. I don't expect you've committed all 31 chapters to memory, but what was something that maybe jumped out
11: to you a little bit?
4: Well, about the Port Huron uh, statement and the members of the so-called Chicago 7 and how these people were hyped as being these great revolutionaries and these brilliant people that were putting stuff together. Quite frankly, uh, the Chicago 7 couldn't organize a two-car funeral. Uh, These people were total uh, inventions of the media, the Jewish-controlled and run media. And that's who was behind all of this. Uh, And that was not advertised. And uh, I don't know if people knew it back then but were afraid to say it or whether they were just duped. But nonetheless, uh, it was like it was part of the Jewish takeover of America, America's government government. America's entertainment industry, America's news media, both print and broadcast, academia, everything has been taken over, and this was... This was like the Great Consolidation. This is where they basically, they didn't come out and say all they right. were Jewish, but this is where the real takeover came I from.
3: certainly want to get back to our fantastic guest, but I got a question for you because we talk about this time period so much. Love the music, you know, uh, <laughs> the early uh, 60s, uh, late 50s. You go back to 1958. From 1958 to 1968, what was it about that particular decade that made conditions ripe for all of this to have occurred?
4: Well, Jewish power and influence had grown to the point where they felt uh, comfortable flexing their muscles to really... Uh, of course, you
3: had a nation distracted by Vietnam, too. A lot of, a lot of this happened.
4: But see, I, my, my opinion, and I think we've shared this before, I think that about 1957 was the height, the apex of popular culture in America. The movies, things like this, they were still somewhat controlling Hollywood through the censor boards. Uh, people like Lloyd Benford in Memphis my wife's uh, my late wife's grandmother was on that censor board and if they thought that a movie was morally objectionable it wouldn't be seen in half of America and back then that would basically cut the profit margin of Hollywood in half, and that kept Hollywood somewhat under control but again pretending to be great uh avatars and of uh, defenders of the first amendment right, right? exactly <laughs> and now we see just uh, how jewish power and influence really they're feels for free speech about, if about it's them.
3: their speech but not if it's something that's uh, objectively critical taylor back to you on this i guess you know taylor you and i weren't around then but uh, we came later what would you say, though? What, what was it about that particular time in American history, that particular decade, particularly the late 60s, where it just seems as though all of it... It was from
4: 58 until 68, and 68 is where it was consolidated and made permanent.
15: Taylor, to you. Yeah, well, I think uh, it does, to a large degree, just go back to um, the end of World War II and, and the defeat of uh, Europe, you could say, by America and uh, um when you know when that's your starting point, it's like, well what um, what kind of identity can can America and it in its newfound power and influence really uh, you know choose for itself? it's, it's a lot more difficult to to try to go back and, and say, well actually you know we, we do, Want national sovereignty. We do want hierarchy. We do want some of these traditional values and and these things that we've contributed to defeating and and siding with the communists to do so. Um, so I think that that is a very significant part for what ultimately like set us up for failure. So, like the powers that wanted that result uh, got there, got what their wishes. They they became ascendant in this country and they then. Uh, enacted this cultural revolution to solidify their their position basically
4: and you're right too that see what people don't understand what it was not necessary for all this change to be made just because we won world war ii they could have won world war ii and then relatively speaking and uh, basically rested on their laurels but jewish power and influence had other interests in that and uh uh, right after World War II, you had Sweat versus Painter, which got rid of Restrictive Covenant. Uh, no, excuse me, that was uh, a black uh, law school uh, applicant who—Texas uh, had a black law school, but he said that wasn't on a par with the University of Texas, and he wanted to go to the University of Texas. Then you had—I'm uh, uh, trying to think of what the one was with the Restrictive Covenants uh, in St. Louis— well, on real estate, where basically you had to sell your house to a person of the white race, that was knocked down. That's Those are the two early victories, but, of course, the uh, home run, the, the grand slam, was Brown versus Board of Education. And the left found that they could uh, s- circumvent the constitutional order where laws are supposed to be made by the legislature through the... Supreme Court, but in doing so, like in Brown, they totally ignored due process. You know, due process is basically deciding appellate cases on the bases that they are normally decided upon, like stare decisis or legislative history or, uh, you know, other things, you know, know, constitutional, uh, legislative history, uh, things like that. Well, they just totally disregarded that and dreamt up a decision based on some half-baked sociologist paper by a black sociologist. And, see, that type of departure was going and making changes, and people that understood, you know, how the government was supposed to work were aghast at what was going on, but, you know— They didn't control the media. They didn't control the newspapers or the television stations or the uh, podcasts or the magazines and stuff. So all of this stuff just got, uh, you know, uh, ramrodded through. That and, of course, yeah, a lot of stuff going on legislatively
3: speaking in the courts. Of course, the Civil Rights Act, so on and so forth, so-called. and all
4: originally with the courts and then... After the Civil Rights Act of 64, then the legislature got in on it. All right. So, Taylor, uh, final word to you. And i got to say,
3: it's nights like this uh, that remind me why we do this, and and nights like this that make me proud that we do this. Uh, And uh, I want to thank Taylor Young again for uh, the uh, working partnership that we have with them. Why is this, uh, to put it into summation, Taylor, to bring it to a close, why is this book, Generation 68, something that people should have on their bookshelf in their home library?
15: Well, again, like I said, I think it's because it's very important and it is a very relevant book and it does a lot to help explain how, where we are today and, and how we got there. You know, um, Keith was talking about how with Brown versus Board and, and other decisions, you had this seeming throwing away of, of norms and, and procedures that we used to have. Well, where else did you see that? You, you saw that at Nuremberg. And, you um, you, you know basically it, it's it's exactly like you were saying you know people a lot of people a lot of especially Americans and, and the British and, and other uh, uh, Gentiles um, they thought well you know we've had wars with each other what's what's one more and and um, what has actually happened is that in hindsight this one was very different and, and the outcome was very different because of um, the ability of, of Jewish power to capitalize on it and uh, um, you know take American influence and, and use it to its own ends and that's a, a very that's a big part of, of what this book in, helps it, to explain and, and, uh, and describe. So, um, you know, definitely would recommend that people get a copy and, and read about it
4: in an important way. America lost world war two, and this is how we lost it.
3: All right, Taylor final. Uh, well, I guess I said final word. How about a final, final word with about a minute remaining? Uh, let's, let's look ahead. Uh, <laughs> We say it with every guest we've uh, had on over the course of the last couple of months now, it seems at least looking forward to 2024. Really hard to predict some of the things that may happen. What's going to happen at Antelope Hill over the course of the next year? What are you working on?
15: Well, we got a lot of great books lined up. We're going to be releasing some, uh, a couple more books in the near future. Uh, we're going to, we have some books about... Uh, um, russia and some elements of russian history we're going to have another book coming out soon that's related to communism in uh, early 20th century europe and besides that we've got a lot more we've got translations from germany from gregor strasser from ernst rome uh, from the nuremberg rally Uh, we'll have another book by uh, british journalist Wyndham lewis pale face the philosophy of the melting pot coming out later this year we will have another kid's book uh, about Napoleon so there's a lot a lot to look out for and I encourage everyone to look out for it and uh, to uh, to check it out check out our website what we've got already check out this book definitely Generation 68 and uh, keep an eye out for everything we've got coming.
3: We will and uh, we'll be in touch with them every month Taylor thank you so much uh, for wrapping up our January here on TPC we will talk to you again soon my friend and anyone else you send our way look forward to it.
15: Thank you guys so much always great to be on here
3: Our pleasure, entirely. enjoyed
4: enjoyed having you on, and keep uh, the good books coming.
3: Fantastic conversation. Fantastic guest. uh, Fantastic uh, show tonight. Jose Nino. uh, I thought we did okay ourselves in the first hour, Keith. And uh, we'll be back with everybody next week. Good night and Godspeed.
2: Go to cesspool.org.
1: you listen to resolution radio
5: radio radio
1: resolution r d o